Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Outside Perspective. I am your host, Adam Meredith, a.k.a. your favorite light-skinned celebrity's generic version. Hey, guys, I have a great show for you today, but before we get to the guest, let me ask you a favor. If you could do me a favor, I know a lot of you are, but Listen, I rely on you guys to help me grow this thing. We're in this together. I really appreciate all of you that do share the show on your socials. I appreciate you just listening and tuning in. But you might be listening, you might not be, and you might not be subscribed. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button, and then just tell one friend. Tell one friend. Help us grow the audience. Help, uh, help us change some perspectives. And it's not my intention to make everybody change their mind with my conversations, but what I do mean is that if you're just exposed to a different perspective, that's growth. That's change. That's why I set out on this mission to have these conversations and just, you know, I'm not dead set on any of my uh, any of my ideas, which is why I really like, you know, today's guest. Um, we just shoot the shit. We, we mull over a lot of different topics and um, it's not like either one of us have the answer, but we're willing to have the conversation. So do me a favor. If you are getting value, just tell a friend and help us grow this thing. Um, again, if you laughed, if you thought about something differently, even if maybe you got a little pissed off and then you're like, man, you know what? There is something to that. You know, if just anything, if, if it provoked something from you, um, help us help us grow this thing. And uh, I'll, I'll be foreverly in foreverly i will be forever indebted to you all right my guest i am sitting down with you know he was guest number one episode number one jordan dowdy jordan is a really great guy he's a professional mma fighter we competed against each other back in the day uh but he's still doing it and i'm not so it's cool to to see him progress down his path man and just keep grinding man because Make no mistake, MMA is a fucking grind, and uh, it's it's not it's not for the weak man. And he's still he's still putting in the work. So it was really fun to catch up with Jordan. I know the first time we podcasted, it was like three hours. We could have easily have done that today, this conversation, but we didn't. We we kept it at two, <laughs> just a little bit shorter. Um, but had a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking to this guy. So without any further rambling, let's gain some perspective with Jordan Dowdy. We're doing it, dude. We're doing the damn thing. I'm fucking up my Red Bull. I don't drink a lot of Red Bulls. Like these things aren't good for you, but uh, this shit's pretty, pretty delicious. Yes, they're tasty. The Green Monster with the green M. Mm-hmm. If I'm doing a long drive, I want one of those. Yeah. I don't know why. It tastes like I'm drinking something with nuclear energy, dude, but so good. And really, everything in balance. Like when you're as active as like you and I are, you can actually get away with like the sugar and shit like that. Yeah. Especially if you don't do it all the time. That's like 26 grams of sugar in this tiny ass little can. Well, they even dress it up where it looks healthier now. Oh, it looks peach. so much nicer. It's got oh, peach in yeah, it. man, it's nice and what's that crimson and and peach colored or what the fuck? But marketing, baby, marketing. Caffeine, the first nootropic. It is. It is. Uh, dude, you know I'm kind of thinking about fucking with uh, trying to play around with uh, nicotine. Maybe getting some Nicorette gum or like those nicotine toothpicks, because I mean that's a nootropic in itself as well. Well, that's what they say. A lot of writers are 
habitual smokers. Yeah. Like they're chain smokers because it gets them locked in. So yeah, I wouldn't know from personal experience on that one, but I could see why. I guess the stimulant is what. Yeah, it is a stimulant. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you can separate it from the tobacco and some of those more harmful chemicals, it's. I mean, I'm I'm down for experimenting with different compounds. Yeah, if it works for you. Yeah, dude. I know, man. Dude, it's so good to see you. You're like one of my favorite people to talk to that I never talk to. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it is when you get older. Like, I have so many friends anymore, and just everything's so busy, and, you know, you, know, you, you miss your friends, especially when you're in college. You know, you're around people your age the entire time, and you get used to that peer group. And, yeah. And then whenever you go and get a job, like when you worked in an office, I'm like, man, these people suck. Dude. Like, they don't do anything with their lives. Yeah. They don't have any goals. They're sitting here watching reality shows, and... I just miss being around people my age, and even now I convince myself when I'm training, like I just I'm missing out on so much, missing out on so much, and then I'll make time to go try and hang out with some people, and they're busy too. And yeah. Then, then that makes me feel better about it, and then I'm like, oh man, we all grew up. Yeah, man, it's just like the days of just hanging out with your friends all the time, just having all the time in the world. Like you don't do that. You don't have like that best friend that you see all the time. Mm -mm. It's really it's weird. And actually, the last bit of that for me was. Before they had UFCs every week, yeah, you'd have the one pay per view a month. It was like a big and deal. And you'd have the one fight night, and you would have a group together, and everybody pitch in five, ten dollars for the pay per view, and those were the nights, man. You'd order food, yeah. You knew who everybody was. Tonight, BJ Penn is fighting Sean Shirk. You knew the top ten. Oh. you knew all of them. Dude, that was a great card. Yes, yeah, those <laughs> were. He beat the piss out of him. Beat the shit yeah. out of Shirk, and you know Shirk was on the roids then. Yes, yes. That's not easy to do to beat somebody who's on roids, dude. Mm -mm. Those nope. fuckers. Are... I know. I've fought a few. I'm sure you have. One recently tested, actually. Really? T-ball. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm, it happens. Yeah. Dude, that's the thing about, like, since I've been doing more jujitsu, I'm about to go do Pan Ams. I just wonder how many people are roided out a lot. It's it's depressing, man. It's it's a bummer. Like, if you can't do it naturally. Now, I get it, it. Like, at a certain age or if there's even a bracket, like, hey, man, you know, we're above 35 and we yeah. are on testosterone replacement to get normal levels. Mm -hmm. Cool. Sign up. I wouldn't even care if there's a fight league where they have it, where there's uh, TUEs for everybody, you know? Yeah. But to just go into something honestly and, and have an enhancement, I, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. Because everybody ages a little bit differently. And, you know, you can just see some of these guys and you're like, are you a bodybuilder or a jiu-jitsu guy? Yeah, like Cyborg. Yeah. The, the dude's amazing, but he's for sure on something. You don't look like that and maintain that muscle mass at that age. And not be on something. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's unfortunate. It's, yeah. I just, I wonder if it reaches the Olympic level, which I'm hoping soon it does. Cause, yeah. I mean, the sport is great if there'll be a stringent on the testing. Because they're supposed to have some type of testing for even IBJJF, right? Um, you know, I only if you medal or something. Yeah, I think there's a potential where they can test you, but I don't think they're testing anybody. Maybe like the high level black belts, you know, but. I, I mean, it just doesn't seem like it'd be an efficient use of their funds, and I don't think they care enough. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so, in the fine print. They yeah. can. All the seminars. All the seminars to pay for their supplements. Yeah. So. Yeah, dude. But it's just kind of one of those things. I think if it's understood, I will for sure take TRT. Like, I know I will because I feel like as I get older, there's going to be a certain point where my testosterone levels will probably just – it'll just naturally drop and it'll probably be below the, the normal level or whatever that might be. And I feel like – I mean, I'm all about, like, just vitality and, and just do what I need to do to take care of my body. And I feel like if, if you do it the right way – and uh, as far as like, you know, test your levels and just like, I'm not, you're not trying to like get over on somebody, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're just doing it for your health. Um, I'll for sure probably go down that path when I'm older. 
Yeah, I'm on board with that. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. To me, I wouldn't want to. I know there's people that do it at a regional level, yeah. even to get their levels up. But to me, I mean, you never know, especially with a year like this. You get the call for something big, a big opportunity, and yeah, and you get tested for something like that, and all the work you put in is blown because you jumped the gun on that. Now I've had instances. I'm 34 now, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not recovering the same like I used to. It's weird. Huh? That's for sure. I mean, I used to be able to go hard every single day in the gym. And now it's like, mm, I got to space those out. Now, when I, if I do it right and I'm recovering right, good as ever, good as I've ever been, but I can't do it every day. Yeah. It's that, uh, that, that's a young man's game. Well, that recovery piece just becomes so much more important and you just realize how necessary it is. Yeah. It's, I don't drink very often, but every time when I've had a little bit or something at like a local hangout or, yeah, man, I feel it the next day. It's my Dude. heart rate is up and I'm like, man, it's terrible. Yeah. You feel the inflammation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm just like, I feel like I took an ass whooping. Dude, I feel that way too. I decided to not drink for a whole year. So I did that 75 hard program, which you can't drink with that anyway. So I think the last time I drank was July the 4th. And uh, I decided I'm not going to drink for a whole year. Yeah, I mean, like I'll like uh, like a full-bodied beer, like a, a Coors banquet or something with a steak. But I'm not like, oh, man, I need to get home and have this. But I just try and tell everybody, especially when they try and glorify it, it's like, that's cool if you enjoy it, but there's nothing really special to it. Like anybody can drink. Like yeah. there's like Stephen Hawking, he was crippled in a chair, a genius, but he could drink. Yeah. So what is so special about it? Why are you bragging to me about how much you've There's had? a big culture around here, dude. It's like, if you don't drink, it's like, well, why aren't you drinking? What's wrong with you? Yeah. I just don't like it. Well, you never know anymore. I don't know. I guess as I get older, you get more of a sense of empathy, yeah. especially this type of year. The last two weeks, this week is better. Ge- generally, I can be negative if I'm not careful. I have to work on that. Like, I do a lot of gratitude-like things. I try to make sure I'm grateful for when I have good practices and stuff like it, just to help rewire my brain. Because if I don't, I can fall in that pit, and I don't want to be that guy. I've been that guy. Yeah. And if I take my 5-HTP, and I'm training hard, and I'm eating right, and I'm making sure I'm looking at things in the proper perspective, Yeah. I'm just better off because... With a year like this and how I can be, there's times I have to think about when I'm dealing with somebody else and I don't really feel like it. Right. You never know what they're going through. Yeah, you never do. This year for me, is it sucked, man. Like it sucked for everybody, but it even started before 2020 when I had to put my my dog down. 12 yeah. years old. Like, Dude. and you think you see people in your timeline they put down dogs all the time. It sucks, but man, that that broke my heart. That was hard. Uh, yeah. And then to start off the year, everything was going well. And then there's been some deaths in the family. And it's just all the negativity of politics and everything yeah. going on now. I'm just, I'm trying to find that lane to stay positive. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can't be on social if you're trying to stay positive. Oh, no. Right now, I mean, it's like, they just argue with you about the color of the sky. Dude, just everything is just, I got, I got caught up in where I was just arguing with fucking everybody. Especially <laughs> like right when that George Floyd thing kind of happened. I'm just like, no, like I'm going fucking hard. And I just, I just, the constant anxiety I was living with, I just didn't feel at ease. I'm just like, dude, this is cancerous, like toxic. Like, I got to get out of this poisonous environment. I just said, fucking Facebook. Like, I got off of there for a good minute, probably six, seven, eight weeks. I wasn't on there. I kind of hop on there if I needed to do something with the podcast, but I wasn't getting on there. And I fucked around and got on there and I made that comment on Nick. So I was like, what the fuck was I doing? I even said, we can agree to disagree. It's not that serious. Oh, they don't care about that. They want to get mad. Dude, every, I had to finally turn off the comment. Like I said, dude, I let these motherfuckers know where they can find me, and like, and I just turned off the notifications because I'm sure there's probably like 
at least ten more comments at me going. I'm just like, what yeah, the? that one got kind of heated. Even pointed at me, and it came from someone I didn't even expect. And I'm like, I didn't even say that. Like, yeah, say what you want. Like, I guess if we're gonna go that route, you know, I think a lot of people just don't like the the post was about LeBron James whether he could fight Kobe Covington. Right now, Kobe Covington would destroy him. Yeah, he'd, he'd the win. The point I made is in two years with proper coaching, it would get interesting. I'm yeah. not saying he'd win, but sprawl and brawl is still a big thing. And yeah. the man is 6'9", 250-something pounds. 250 pounds, 6'9". He's a super athlete, dude. I, I, I think – so there's a lot of good points made for Colby. You know, he's – he's Oh, a, my money would be on him even even after two years, you he, know? He's an amazing athlete, dude. Like, but the size factor does matter. It really does. I mean, that's a huge individual. And, like, as great of an athlete as Colby is – I, I don't think I would classify him as a super athlete. I think he's a great athlete. But when I think of, like, super athletes, I think of, like, Bo Jackson, Jim Thorpe, Deion Sanders. Like, these guys who fucking kill it no matter what they're doing. And I don't know if – as great as Colby is, as hard of a worker as he is, I just don't know if I'd classify him as a super athlete. No, he's a super asshole is what he is. <laughs> but, but it's like – you know, like, if we're just playing semantics here and it's all a dreamer's game, if we're talking right. about, like, a guy like LeBron, and he's like, oh, you know what? I've won four rings whenever this finals is over, probably. Yeah. Let me try this. Yeah. Uh, my point was, as a heavyweight, to if, to excel in MMA as a heavyweight, you do not have to be as technical if you have the size and the power. Right. And somebody came at me like, oh, are you saying heavyweights aren't technical? That's a completely different thing from what I said. Matter of fact, I'd take you any day over even Francis Ngannou in a grappling match, yeah. the individual that came at me. i go, but in a fight, you know, Francis Ngannou is going to wipe the floor with you. He's not the most technical, but he has the – intangibles and the power and the size that okay dude he touches you all i'm saying is it gets more interesting it really does and also also here's the thing it's like i feel like as fighters and i i, I wrestled so it's like it's easy to hate on basketball players like they all deserve a yeah. fucking oscar yeah. but dude like after reading kobe bryant's book and like really thinking about and like watching the fucking documentary michael jordan like dude that game gets really physical and those are all really big human beings. They're just all next to each other, so they look normal to us. And they, they look small. They beat the hell out of Michael. Dude, they, they, beat the hell out of dude, they elbow. Like, they're fucking pulling on you. They're pushing. And consistently over, you know, an hour, 48 minutes, you're on the court. Like, that wears you the fuck out. And then also, it's like people forget, like, yeah, sure, it's basketball training, but skills translate. Handwork, footwork. Uh, you know, just strength, being able to box out, that's getting your hips lower and controlling hips. If that doesn't apply to grappling, I don't know what would. I mean, as far as, like, clinch work and stuff, I feel like the skills would translate, and we just assume that LeBron can't fight. We don't know. Yeah, he may not even like getting hit either, and then it's not even, I think, but if he wanted to do jiu-jitsu, or, I mean, Shaq trains jiu-jitsu. Yeah. He's, I saw him kick something the other day. It wasn't very athletic. Don't right. Know, but I don't want to get hit by that tree trunk of a leg still. Right. It ain't going to be pretty looking when he throws it, but it's yeah. still going to hurt. Yeah. But it's. I don't know, man. It's, I feel like everybody just wants to. Everybody just wants to argue over nothing. Yeah, and I'm just like, you guys can't even yeah. theoretically have a a fun discussion on it without everybody getting their feelings hurt. And I was just, I was just disappointed. That actually, that whole thing ruined my day. And, yeah. and that's when I texted you. I'm like, hey, man, they came after me too. So You're like, don't yeah. feel so bad. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's but it's just like, what is it about humans that we want to put everybody in the camp? You know what I'm saying? It's like, cause honestly, man, like with all this politics shit, without getting like too deep into it, like. I'm not the biggest like I don't support fucking Biden. Like I feel like he's kind of like losing his marbles and and this is just my opinion but like I just don't feel like he's all there and I'm not a fan of career politicians. 
But if you say that, it's just like, oh, so you love Trump? Well, I'm not saying Trump's the best fucking option either, but I'm just saying he's not a good one either. So it's just like, you're either or. You're always put in this camp, and you're always just fucking, you're just labeled immediately. Yeah, I, I guess because a lot of people lost the idea of nuance. Like, everything's, yeah. everything's universal. Uh, you can't support the police and also support that Black Lives Matter. Like, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, there's some, there's gray area in there where, Every group has their assholes. I told someone the other day. They came in, and I said, have you been watching football? No, I'm done because they were taking a knee and all this. And I go, I said, Sue, because of that, you're not going to watch something you enjoy. He's like, yeah, I'm just done with it. I go, okay. Well, if you don't agree with a certain part of what the message is, that's fine. I said, but at the same time, did you disown your own Christianity Christianity whenever the Westboro Baptist Church was protesting soldiers' funerals. Right. No. I said, well, if you want to take a certain segment of a universal ideology like Christianity and say, oh, well, now I'm not going to support it because of that, why don't you translate it here? Because in any group, there's assholes, and there's people that claim to be part of that group, and then there's instigators. And just how they lump everything into one fine definition that fits into their their brain, it just drives me nuts. Because he looked at me like he didn't want to listen to me when I said that, but then he knew I had him. He had that look like, oh, shit. I and mean, he's like, I haven't thought of it that way. I'm, there's assholes in every group. There's assholes in, in gyms you train at. There's some in the ones I train at, you know, but they don't yeah. represent the gym. Yeah. Everybody actually behind doors is like, don't listen to that dude. Yeah, unfortunately, the assholes are usually the loudest. Yes. Yeah. And they're the ones that are going to get the coverage. So. <laughs> but. It's a shit. Dude, we're just living in just crazy fucking times, dude. Well, my thing is, it's crazy to me how the definition, like if we're going to talk a little bit about some politics, is the radical left. Mm-hmm. Okay, look, there's radicals on both sides, but I think it's interesting how the radical left is actually very slightly off center left. If you look at every other country, like, oh, you want healthcare? Okay, yeah. How's that radical compared to every other first world country? Right. Like, there's gonna be a way to do it. I'm not saying it's gonna be perfect, but right. better than now. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I feel like it. It shouldn't be super radical to want more winners. Yeah. Or even just to have a sense of empathy, like someone's going through a rough time. Yeah. So, I mean, I worked at a grocery store when I was 18. You know, I had people coming through my line with food stamp cards and WIC cards. And I'll tell you, nine times out of ten, they were people that looked like they needed it. Yeah. So, this whole people are lazy, they want free handouts. Yes, there's a segment of society that wants that. Yeah. But you're also watching information coming to you that's making you think that's everybody. Yeah. Dude, whenever I was a kid, man, like, and my son was recent, like, I was on food stamps for, for a number of years, probably like two or three years while I was still finishing up school. And I had a newborn kid, and like, I wasn't making very much money, like, still working full time even. It's like, so I can appreciate those programs. Um, but yeah, man, there's always going to be a certain segment who just, like, take advantage of those. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it doesn't mean that. Like, even though we operate a certain way now, it doesn't mean that we can't progress and, and maybe figure out a better way. Yeah, there always has to be a better way. And if yeah. there never was, if we never had the idea that there could be a better way, we'd still be riding horses on yeah. brick roads. Right. You know, there's, but a lot of people are scared of innovations and progressing because then they're going to lose some money. Yeah. Someone's going to lose some money. Greed, buddy. So, it always goes back to oh, greed. Man, it's unfortunate. Yeah. So. I feel like a UBI, so universal basic income, I feel like it's inevitable. It would be interesting because I was thinking about that concept when they bailed out the big companies. Yeah, fuck and, those big companies. Well, dude. and, the, you know, I work at a small business, work at Sub-Zero Wellness. They didn't really do much for us, man. Like, no. I, I, and so I was thinking about it. Amazon, Facebook, all these companies got 
a lot richer. Yes. And they fired the guy that was in charge of seeing where the funds allocated. Now I'm sitting here, the cynic in me is going, these guys that are getting funds are going to get favors because an election's coming up. And here comes your donation money back. But I was sitting there thinking if they would have paid individuals instead of companies, that would have trickled up, right? Because yeah. then you would have had to pay your mortgage. You got groceries and people are employed. And instead of having to pay companies and then hoping landlords can give people a break or find a way to do that, if it would have gone to the people, give them the individual responsibility. And people will mess it up. There will yeah. be people buying stuff they shouldn't do. For sure. But then that's on them. Yeah. That's on them. Yeah. And then it would trickle up. Because I think Andrew Yang is a very interesting character. He has some really good ideas. Yeah. And if he was out of the race when this happened. Mm-hmm. If he had been in the race still, when this happened, it would have been interesting to see how many more of his ideas people would have listened to. Right. Yeah, man. It just seems like we're headed there, especially with all the automation, um, the amount of people who are out of work right now. I mean, it it just seems like – I think Yang was proposing, like, what, like $1,200 a person? It was uh, 1000 a month, I think. Yeah. If you're over 18 and – it was. It wasn't just like if you were on food stamps or got other assistance, you got a thousand on top of that. Yeah. It was like a thousand total, from what I understand. So if you already got yeah. like five hundred a month, you would get the additional five hundred, and it's capped at a thousand yeah. total. I think. I think under the program, like some of those things, like food stamps and welfare, like they kind of be re- would be replaced eventually. It's like you wouldn't still have all the, the, these same welfare programs and a UBI. Like it would have to. There'd have to be some gift somewhere. Yeah, and it would also take the complaint away that people get cards and sell. The value of them. Right. You know? so, yeah. I, I don't know. I think there's, I'm hoping on the back end of this, some innovation can take place because I think what's going on now is we're fighting this, this old guard. I mean, I was talking to my dad about it the other day. My dad is 62, I believe now. Yeah. And I was telling him, I'm like, man, you know, as much as you've been through in the military and everything, I said, the people running our government are 20 years older than you now. Yeah. I mean, they're a generation older than you. And they, I said, I wonder how many of them even know how to use a cell phone. That's not a flip phone. Right. And that's what we're living in now. That's where he goes back to term limits, like you said. I think that would be great because someone the other day was telling me, oh, oh I think your your generation just needs to get more into politics and, and stop protesting. And I'm sitting there like, well, there's not an election every month. And also a protest is kind of showing somebody, hey, we need this action or some, there's an issue. What are you going to do to fix it? And if they don't, yes. But there's also these barriers for people our age if we were to go on it too because they have accumulated so much contact and they've got all these people that they give favors to that they get donations. So the barrier to even get in there, even if you are a shit politician, which there's a ton of them, oh, yeah. they're hard to get deposed, man. That's So I don't, I don't really agree with that answer. Like I see the, the concept of it if you lived in a perfect world, but yeah. that's not the world we're living in. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's just the whole idea that there aren't term limits and that, you know, um, being able to lobby is this legal thing. It's just legal bribery. And, I mean, what does a 70- or 80-year-old politician, like, they're not in touch with the majority of the people. So they don't really represent the people. Um, Something that really made me think about the whole situation in a different way was I I listened to both conversations, actually, um, that uh, Rogan had with – Edward Snow, and the first time Edward Snow like made the comment like the the like politicians it, they've become their own class of people. It's a political class, yeah. and they are separated from most citizens. And I never really thought about that. Like I've always known that, but when he said it, I'm like, fuck, man, like that is true. They are their own class of people, and they've proven time and time again that they do not represent the will of the people. 
Yeah, they're hard to get a hold of unless they're at a fundraiser event. Now, your local ones are easier, but, like, yeah. they get escorts to somewhere. They get – I mean, it's just hard to see how they are in touch. Mm-hmm. And then whenever someone humans. that is in touch gets in there, and whether you agree with their politics or not, uh, a handful of them, the last election cycle, got elected on the Democrat side. One was a teacher, and then you have, like, the waitress, Cortez, that everybody's demonizing. But these are citizens, you know? Yeah. So they – actually have some grounding somewhere whether you agree with them or not i think on either side we need people like that yeah because they at least have some perspective you know some of them were cashiers they were doing stuff that right career politicians who were in law school somewhere and knew somebody yeah didn't have they they haven't paid the dues everyone else has they look right. at you they look at you like a statistic they, yeah. they don't have any firsthand knowledge well it wasn't designed to be a career no it's supposed to be service Right, you're supposed to also have a career and then do this thing and then go back to your career. You're not supposed to live there for 30, 40 years and turn this into a career. I think we went way off with that. Yeah, it's ridiculous, man. It's And every time they talk about doing it, it's never going to happen. Yeah. Because why would you vote against your own self-interest if you're in charge? You or, wouldn't. Exactly. You know. Exactly. It almost seems like why does it have to be so complicated? You know what I mean? Like it's hard to get rid of laws. It's easy to add laws in, and then they just get super, you know, muddy. And but it's like, why does it have to be so complicated? Like, I don't like anarchy is not the fucking issue, but it just seems like some of the systems in place are so obviously broken that it shouldn't be that difficult to change them. We should just be like, all right, man, like this is fucked up. Let's fix this. And I understand it's a big ship; it can be hard to turn, but like, there's got to be some simple solutions somewhere in there. Well, and they, uh, it's really weird because they. They work on division. I mean, everybody does, and everybody wants to blame the media, but okay, then watch different forms of media. That yeah. way you can at least see what everybody's hearing, because if you only watch one avenue of it, then you're going to have a certain view of the world in that bubble or yeah. this bubble. But what's really weird to me is how people act so much differently online than they do in person. Yes. Like the militantism online, the the kind of fuck you. Uh, yeah, you group know, think is and big. And then all this, oh, well, we can agree to disagree. Well- we can agree to disagree and be friends on some things, but on certain topics like racism, yeah, I'm sorry, man. Like you just kind of show me who you are. It's pretty straightforward. A lot but, of people show some fucking colors, dude. Yeah, I, and it was sad. It yeah. was sad because, and I think a lot of it comes from everybody wants to go, oh, well, it's the colleges turning everybody liberal and bunch of pussies, and I'm like, or, yeah. or maybe they went to a school and rented to people that had different versions and lived through different things and had different perspectives, and you learned about it. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I'm, where I'm from was diverse. I mean, we had everybody there. There was two ghettos that went to that high school. There was a whole other town. Then there was a rich side of town. Then there was a regular middle class side of town. And we had, we had Hispanics. We had blacks. We had white people. We had everybody of all types. So even in my high school, I got to see all these different perspectives in life. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people didn't have that. They grew up in, you know, a homogenous town. Yeah. You know, a little small town. And if... You don't ever get out of that town or you're just around those people. You're never going to see perspective from another person's point of view. And I think that is the root of it. Yeah. And, dude, you know, it's it's hard to see past your own struggle. You know what I mean? I feel like especially when it, it kind of does come to the race conversation, um, a lot of people, they'll, they'll mistake their economic struggle for a race one. Yeah. And they don't see that. It's like, no, dude, like you're just poor. Like it's hard out here for people who don't have a lot of fucking money. Yeah. It's uh, it's that whole white privilege argument, right? Yeah. Well, that, that, are you saying my life wasn't hard? No, no one's saying that. Not at all. But uh, someone, I don't know if this was true or not, but the whole saying of be home before the streetlights come on, it came out around the 
an era where if you were out at dark, it was because of a curfew. Oh. And if you're out at dark, you're probably gonna get fucked up. Yes. Yeah. Like it was a it was curfew, and I don't know if it was an official curfew for colored people or not. It's kind of like an unwritten, understood thing. Yeah. And someone was explaining it to me, and I was like, I never thought of it that way because it was just saying, yeah, come out before the lights come on, or right as the street lights come on. Yeah. Yeah. Save your own ass. I never really thought about that, but that makes sense. Yeah. It's, yeah. And then when I thought about that, I'm like, man, it's kind of sad, because I mean, even if. I feel like my generation was the last generation that played outside with freedom. Yeah. And you just know too much now because of social media and the news, like child abductions and all that. All of it's very horrible. All of it's in the news nowadays. Yeah. And it probably was happening back then too. For sure. It just wasn't in your face. We just know too much. Yeah. And like those kind of people that do that, we should just be merciless about, you know, just set oh. a prime example. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's some crimes that you're just like, why are we keeping this person around, you know? It's like... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and sometimes it's like... I'm a little conflicted on the death penalty now that... Because you learn about the amount of people who are just wrongly convicted. And tons of them. Just a lot of people sitting on death row because for whatever fucking reason, you know? And it's like, man, I don't know how much I'm, I'm with just, like, killing people anymore for whatever reason, for what we think they did. But sometimes you just fucking know they did it. <laughs> and if you fucking know, then get rid of that son of a bitch. Like, yeah, yep. <laughs> There's there's no if and oh well maybe he was innocent like no we know he did it yeah so that person get get them the fuck out of here as fast as possible like that's how I feel for real yeah it's just, people can be kind of sick you know and and in the head and whether they are or not doesn't mean you should keep them around like if someone's a threat to kids that's, that's a big issue real big issue like for me it's, if we're looking at what people do in their personal lives I don't care if you don't sell drugs to kids if you're not harming kids yeah. You can do whatever you want in your own house. I really don't care. Right. Or abusing other people. Right. Uh, domestic abuse. You're not doing that. If you're sitting in your house doing whatever type of drug you want, it doesn't affect anybody else. Yeah. For me, I don't care. It's not my life. You can mess yours up. As long as you're not affecting other people negatively, I don't care. Yeah. Dude, the amount of people who are sitting in jail for like a victimless crime or like the war on drugs is a joke. Yeah, that one was lost. Yeah, it's not. There's no. It's just a war on on citizens, really. Like that's all it was. It's war on hippies and colored people. Well, there's a big thing going on now where they're wondering what to do as all these marijuana laws are changing. Do they just kind of let them out all at once? And I think that's not such a bad idea. But also, you can't just let them out without reconditioning them to society. Yeah. Like Shawshank, whenever he got out and he didn't know how to live his life, that, Dude, that's that old real. guy. Yeah, yeah that's like, super real. That's what you get used to. Like the walls probably get awfully comfortable after a while, but then if they just throw you out and go, here you go, figure it out. Yeah. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. America, you know, and it's a great country we live in, but some avenues need to be taken and some people do need help every now and then. Yeah. I think we just got to let people actually like be redeemed. Once you're a felon, you're a felon. Like, it, it, have you seen the documentary, um, The 13th? No. Essentially talking about like the 13th Amendment where the whole concept is like we didn't even have felons until slaves were, slavery is abolished. And it was essentially a, a loophole to keep people into slavery because now, now you can't vote. You're forever known as a felon. Um, you go back into to, into uh, labor for fucking next to nothing. So it's like it was just a way to them for them to like catch black people again and put them back into slavery. You call them felons. Well, and that's not people want to say, oh, that was way too long ago. It's not too far off. After the Last Dance documentary, which we talked about, I looked up, I was watching an interview where Michael Jordan was talking to somebody about how they were going to do that. And the guy that they found that to do it did one called Iverson. 
Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I think I did. So Allen Iverson, when he was in high school, all-state quarterback, all-state basketball player, his school won state titles. He goes to a bowling alley with some friends, and there's a white town next door, and they're all in here in this bowling alley, just bowling, and all of a sudden a fight starts. He had nothing to do with it. And on camera, they see him. Like, you can see him in the camera because there's this fuzzy video. And he sees everybody fighting, and he looks back at the camera, and he's like, I'm out of here. walks out. But since he was the only one that could be recognized in that, he was put in jail for that. Wow. He was put in jail for that. These people tried to take this man's career from him. He was in jail. I remember And then that. Tom Brokaw found out about it, went and interviewed Alan Iverson. Yeah. They got Alan because of the it show airing. It was a Aaron, big thing. He was pardoned, and then he was given the opportunity to go to Georgetown. Yeah. We almost never heard of that man. Almost didn't, dude. It's 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 so crazy how, like, once you get in that system, you can never get out. And, like, you're never really forgiven. It's like the scarlet letter that you wear forever. It's hard to get jobs. You can't vote. You can't do anything. It's just like, and then probation is a joke. Like, that's just a way to keep people in the system. Have you heard, like, about the whole situation with, like, the rapper Meek Mill? Just a little bit. I'm not completely versed in it. Right. So I'm kind of paraphrasing, but, like, essentially, from what it seems like is there's this one particular judge, this lady, who essentially just has this fucking vendetta for this guy. And she just keeps, like charging him with these petty things to like extend his fucking probation and it's just like they're keeping this kid on a leash it's like he can't go out and he can't tour he can't go do these things really fucking up his career and his money and it's like over this this own like it seems like she has her own agenda like she's done things like even asked him to like shout her out in songs and yeah dude and like we'll just well i think he got in trouble because he was like doing some wheelies in the street on like a four-wheeler or a dirt bike or something just nothing crazy that sounds familiar yeah just getting in trouble for little petty things and it's just extending his probation the dude's been on probation for like over a decade wasn't there a big politician or athlete speaking out about that recently i don't know i thought there was someone talking about him in particular and then i know he got a lot of push meek mill in in particular a lot of support from like jay-z and some different folks might have been jay-z yeah because the dude's just such a talent um in in his respective field and it's just like he's just been completely hindered over this probation system and i think his original infraction was i don't know what he did maybe he had a gun on him or something it was something that he shouldn't still be paying for over a decade later type shit i agree with that it's 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 weird because people lose their sense of history. Like, yeah. oh, well, protests are anti-American and so is looting. Looting is, sucks, especially when we have small businesses. No yeah, one should ever condone terrible. it. But there was a little thing called the Boston Tea Party. Mm-hmm. They looted and protested. It started what led to the revolution. Right. And everybody wants to look back at Martin Luther King Jr. and Muhammad Ali. Oh, they're great figures now. He's, they're super convenient. You ever seen the political cartoons of him back then? Dude, people hated him. Yes, they hated him. Martin and Luther King was public enemy number one. And Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Like, the CIA directly attacked them. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just go and look that stuff up, and you can just see how it translates to today. And, you know, rose-colored glasses, and in retrospect, there's a day for him, and everybody looks at Muhammad Ali when he said no Viet Cong ever called him an N-word. And, yeah. I mean, he was right then, and now it looks good. But when someone wants to point something out, they're unpatriotic now. But I just think we can be better. But it's when they want to make things about the flag. No one's, yeah. no one's against the flag or the country or the troops. I mean, what kind yeah. of stupid statement is that? It's so 
ludicrous. And if they are, then they're just they're the outlier. They're yeah. an outlier. There was a video where Kaepernick was actually talking about why he kneeled. And it was like I think at first he was sitting and then he had a conversation with a vet and he was like, This is the most respectful way he could kind of silently protest and he was trying to be respectful and not cause issues and then people ignore that statement and they just want to run with whatever they believe. Well, I think it was a Marine, but I mean, in any other facet of any part of your life, taking a knee is a sign of submission and respect. We did that for coaches when I was growing up on the field, take a knee, then the coach would talk. Uh, People pray on their knees. Dude, you bend the knee, motherfucker, to the crown. I mean, they just, they didn't want to hear the message. I mean, that's all I ever hear from it. And if you disagree with it, that's fine, but you got to look at intent, not the actions. Even if you disagree with the actions, look yeah. at the intent. Dude, intent matters big time, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of people, people always want to default to like a Martin Luther King reference or something, but it's like if you look at people's actions, if if they were alive during them t- like during that time, they'd probably be doing some saying some fucked up shit based yeah. off what you see them saying today. What kills me the most is when when people will use like Candace Owens, for example, oh, as their mouthpiece. White people love Candace Owens. And they share all her shit, and I'm like, oh. I was like, I know how you really feel if you're sharing her shit because it's like, dude, for the, I'm just going to say it for because I've had this conversation for like a lot of people directly, so it would be nice to say it here, but it's like she built her entire platform on a lie. She says that she like racism doesn't exist. She's never experienced it, but like when she was in high school with the help of the NAACP, she sued some students from her school, some white students from her school who she said like threatened her. And she ended up getting, I can't remember the number now, but like $40,000 or somewhere around there. And like that helped kickstart her thing. And now she's just, she's just pandering to ego. That's all she's doing. Her and Colby Covington are drinking the same Kool-Aid. Yeah. Dude, Colby, apparently though, he's like a super nice guy. Super nice, super humble. And then like, I think the, because it's funny, I was just listening to, to Rogan and Cam Haynes talking about this. Apparently, and I don't know, but like, his fight right before he fought Damian Maya, like he, the word from the UFC was like, it doesn't matter if you win or lose this, you're getting cut. So I think he like created that persona apparently to start selling tickets and shit, or to to. And it's kind well, he of, doesn't need it anymore. It's, all it's I know rocket is he, fueled his career essentially. All I know is he did plenty of crying when Verdum hit him with that boomerang in the head. I didn't he know that all happened. that shit. Yeah, he was talking shit on. Uh, Brazilians. Yeah, he was talking shit. Yeah, after and the fight, Verdum threw a boomerang and hit him in the head. Really? And he tried to file a lawsuit on him. Oh shit! And I'm like, hey man, you wrote that check. He cashed it. Yeah. You know, you gotta be careful what you say. You really do. Like you, oh, it's just all in fun. Wink, wink. Not to everybody. No, man, this is real life shit, man. For a lot of people, yeah. a lot of family, dude. My girlfriend, dude, her her mom was when she was a little kid. Like she went to segregated schools crazy to even it's, think about exactly my girlfriend's mom that's not that far removed no yeah. no it's a generation mom's like 60 something yeah yeah oh wow yeah but no man that happened 200 something years ago this is this is over yeah what always gets me is like and i don't want to like harp on it but it's always like oh man you know how long are you gonna keep talking about that shit but oh 9-11 never forget well, I mean, it showed its ugly head when Obama was elected. And I, I won't lie, I did like Obama. He didn't do everything that I thought he could do. But my question now is, you know, remember the Tea Party? It was all about spending. Spending's outrageous. We can't have spending. Yeah. Where are they at now? Spending is worse than it's ever been. The yeah. deficit and all that? Well, where are these people now? It's terrible. I don't see their rallies. I don't see their little hats. I don't see them complaining. What's the difference? Yeah. It's interesting. Dude. There's got to be a better way, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, they're, 
we're more the divided than ever as a country, it seems, and that's such a shame. Yeah, I'm uh I'm not excited for how this next couple months of the close of the year is gonna go. Yeah. I just I don't want it to go nasty. I just want the divisiveness to end and Yeah. It's being provoked. It it's, really is. And I just I can't stand it, man. I just can't stand it because then you got some friends that are on one team and some friends are on another team. And they're just so blinded by it. And, you know, we all have to go with the lesser of two evils at this point or yeah. what you think it is. But I know what mine is, but it's not going to change anybody's mind. Yeah. So, but I'm just hoping at some point we have somebody unify everybody together. Yeah. Because stuff like this, not to be an alarmist or just call out crap. Usually whenever everyone's so divided like this, the way to unify somebody is an attack. Yeah, or something big happening to us where everybody has to come together and unite behind one person. Yeah, and you know, the outside of aliens invading us, you know, <laughs> it would have to be something internal happening to us here. Yeah, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. But that's how they've gotten people to unite before. Yeah. Well, it almost seems like you know you hear people talking like we're on the on the verge of like a civil war, and, and maybe it might not be in the streets, but it's like we're fighting the civil war in a way. You know what I mean? It's psychological warfare for sure. There are groups rooting for it actively. Yes. Heard of the Boogaloo Boys? Yeah, yeah. man. They're wearing their fucking their Hawaiian shirts and shit. Why they gotta ruin good shit for people, man? I like Hawaiian <laughs> shirts. What the fuck? <laughs> well, what sucks is anytime there's any type of instance, these extremists can always show up and claim it. Yeah. You know, the, there's who's doing it, or they can create some type of violence, and then it, it speaks for the whole thing. It's not even there. Yeah. But I don't know. If we're going back to that kind of stuff, what drives me nuts is, and I know a lot of great cops. There are a lot oh, of great yeah. cops out there. And I don't think they should be defunded at all. I think, if anything, they need more help, more right. training. Yeah. And I think that was a stupid narrative they're trying to push that nobody really actually believes unless you, you've lost your shit. But whenever someone's executed, and that man was executed with a knee on his neck for yeah. eight-something minutes, oh, right? Yeah. Or somebody dies. And you know what? That's going to happen with a job, unfortunately. Yeah. When they go through their history to try and prove whether they were a good person or not to make sure it was okay that that happened, that's what throws me off. Right. Like, there's things that happen that are unfortunate, but with what happened with George Floyd, when they want to go through all his history and go, oh, well, he did this, 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 and this. Okay, so according to his car facts, he deserved to be executed in the street. Right. I don't agree with that because I'm not really a religious person, so to speak. But if you are a religious person, which most of you claim to be, then you believe in redemption. Right. Or a path being back. And you know what? People are allowed to struggle. People will struggle. That's, I mean, that's what it is. So wherein do your beliefs actually lie? Right. Because it's you can't have this, oh, well, yeah, he was killed. He was a bad person. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's cool. But why do you really believe that? Right. And if, if you really are into Christianity in particular, it's like Jesus hung around with prostitutes and thieves and murderers and because like, those were the fucking people who needed the message the most. Right. He didn't condemn those people. So it's like, why is there no redemption for anybody? And it's like what gets me the most is that, you know, your brain isn't fully developed until you're 25. Like, so you're usually making a lot of fucked up decisions up until then. And yeah. it's like, we just, we put people in a box. It's like, oh, well, you fucked up when you were 19, 20 years old. You're just a terrible person forever. You ever see an old Facebook post from when you, <laughs> you're like, oh man, that was me. What you're was like, I? delete. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, and 
I didn't even do anything out of the box, but yeah. I'm just like, man, I was embarrassed of my former self. We're all idiots. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but there's got to be some room allowed for for that, Yeah, I think. And to just completely justify something that I don't think should have happened was insane. It's uh, just how people were okay with it. And Candace Owens was one of them. Oh, my gosh. And just everybody was sharing it, and I'm like, Stop sharing I'm like, her she's shit, such man. a sellout, man. She's just trying to sell you a book and tell you what you want to hear. Dude, her and the Hodge twins kill me the most. You know who the Hodge twins are? These so two. I knew they were something along those lines, and I saw their little stupid faces. They're not they look, funny. Well, they look like they were up to something just on the photo I even saw, and I'm like, nah, I'm, I, I'm mad enough. Yeah. I, I don't I don't want to go into that. Like, I just, yeah. you know what? I want to watch basketball tonight. I don't want to watch that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I got sucked into the NBA this year again after Kobe died. After Kobe died, I watched the, which sucked, man. It was like a piece of your childhood dying because yeah. you had MJ, then you had Kobe. And then, so I got sucked back into the NBA when I watched all the, the memorial stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I decided to start watching other sports. That, yeah. Because I just like, like we were talking about, athleticism and excellence and dedication, especially over a long career. Yeah. I mean, how many times, I mean, we have more ups and downs than what me and you do. Because they're more consistent. They have a game the next day if shit don't go right. Right. You know, we have to wait however long. And, Months. And think about, oh, I can't fuck that up again. And, but at you. the duration of a career that those guys put in is amazing to me. Oh, yeah. Dude, I'm sitting there. When I was reading Kobe's book, it was like, the dude's doing three days all the fucking time. He was just so dedicated. And, like, to the point to where he read the ref's manual so he understood their job so he could figure out how he could be better. He's like, all right, well, they have blind spots here. So I could – he's like, I would get away with little travels and carries and holds and different things because I knew where they needed to be and I knew where they were blind. It's like, dude, next level fucking shit. I never thought about that. As the European players came over, he learned some of those other languages just so he could talk shit to them in their own language. <laughs> Dude, who you got for the finals? Uh, Lakers. Lakers. Yep, I wanted the Lakers to win it. I've, I always did like the Lakers, especially when they had Kobe. Yeah, and good then, franchise. Yeah, and, and you know how long the days get when you're training and mm-hmm. MMA and jiu-jitsu, like everything's at night. So you get home, you don't really get to watch much. They're a West Coast team. I got to watch all this when I was in high school and college more. So as, especially with the shutdown and when everything that happened, there was more time to watch whatever was available. And yeah. When the last dance hit, that I'm like, man, that was like – I remember being in elementary school. I found one of my yearbooks the other day from sixth grade, and I'm wearing a Michael Jordan jersey. <laughs> and I was like, we used to all go there. And, yeah, got, I got shoes after the the, the show. And Yeah, bro. The, the 13s were my favorite shoes. Really? Oh, yeah. I got the pair of the flints. I'm afraid to even wear them, man. I got them in a box, and I got them Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, it was just like, because, you know, it's like when you get a new car, and the shine's off the apple because a rock hit it. I'm like, I just don't want to mess them up. Yeah, bro. Pristine condition. Dude, yeah, that was a hell of a time in history, man. Like, I wish I appreciated. I was, I've never really been like into like watching sports all the time. I appreciate them, and uh, I always loved Jordan. Like, I had his fucking jersey, and I like, but I never really like sat down and like watched the games when he played. And now I was like, man, I wish I would have like took advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, it's and that was what was really great about having all the access and the TVs. And, yeah. and when they were at the backstage of the All-Star game, and they're like, that little Laker boy is going to try to take everybody one-on-one. <laughs> and with everything that just happened, you're like, whoa, that hit a lot deeper there yeah. than what than what you would think. And the fact that those guys were such good friends for so long, yeah, that was kind of cool too. But I think a lot of people, they don't realize what they have till it's gone, and everybody wants to hate on like, – I know I'm talking a lot about basketball, but you know the playoffs are on. Yeah. But if you look at – Who's there now? Like, we went from MJ to Kobe and now LeBron. And it doesn't matter which one 
you like best. Yeah. But and they're gonna argue who's best. And I'm yeah. like, why don't you just appreciate greatness because who's there after LeBron? LeBron can play for a few more years. But it's like that in sports and, and the thing about fighting is the next guy that comes along is much better than the guy who was beforehand. But you resonated more with the guy that you used to watch yeah. because you were more invested because there wasn't as much there wasn't many shows. Yeah. You felt like you had more access to these people. You felt like, you know, in in the groups you would talk to that you guys were talking about almost something underground and, yeah. and it wasn't readily accessible to everybody. And, and those days were kind of cool. And I do like how it is more mainstream now, more yeah. accepted. But there's just something about the way it used to be that just seems really cool to me still. Yeah, there are a lot more characters back in the day. Like you could really like the Iceman and Couture, and it's like you know Chuck Liddell, not Chuck Liddell, but I already said the Iceman, uh, Tito Ortiz. It's like they all had these stories and they had their beefs, and like you really got invested into these people. There weren't nearly as many, and there's just way more fighters now. Shows all the time. It's hard to keep up. Yeah, I got more excited watching some of those fights back in the day, like Hughes and and uh, Gracie. Yeah, I was like, I was on it, man. I got, my adrenaline was peaked more for those watching them, just how they they sold it and they sold where this guy came from and where this guy came from, and yeah. this is going to be the future of the sport. That got me more hyped than some of my own fights. Yeah, you know, I'd be in the back like, I know I did all my work, so I'm just going <laughs> to do what I do. But yeah, you can't. It's like watching your friends fight. You're like, Dude, you want it, you want it for them so bad, and then no. But those those days where the sport was almost in the pioneer stage was cool. But I'm glad they have USADA now. I will say that. Yeah, that's been a game changer yeah, for yes. sure. Did yeah, you watch yeah. this last weekend fight with Kobe and Tyron? Yes, yes. Uh, I wasn't shocked by the end of it. He really well, I guess did, that was two weeks ago, right? He now. really did bust his ribs up, apparently. But I, I really wasn't surprised by it. Um, there was just Ty- Tyron just looked different to me. And I don't know if the game just caught up to him or not because he used to have a left hook with that overhand. And mm. now people or really kind of only expecting the overhand, and his ground and pound was great. And I don't know, man, maybe just caught up to him. But also, you can just hit a bad streak. I mean, you know that. That happens. Yeah. Yeah. You're out there, man, I did everything right, and I got here, and it just wasn't my night. And there, like I said, there's no game tomorrow or next week. You right. Know, it's like eight weeks out the drain, and then maybe maybe you'll get another opportunity later if it lines up perfect, if yeah. you're healthy, if your job will work, if you can train right, and if the promotion will let you have it. Yeah. Dude, I real like my last two fights, best camps ever. Felt physically great. You know what I mean? Like easiest weight cut ever. But then like you get in there and just something like mentally, like I was I wasn't able to fall into that flow state. I wasn't able to like get to that mental place. And I don't know what it is for Tyron, like because you know you listen to him, he says he felt great physically, and it's you know I I always have to wonder. It's like if if you're you know you're doing game shows and you're putting out music and you're you know you're hosting TV shows like I mean, that has to eat away some of your mental ability to focus on the fight. Well, so I mean, I wonder how much is the question. Well, everything is energy, right? So these younger guys that were at the gym, you know, they were going out and hanging out and doing all this stuff late. And they'd come into me and they'd be like, "Yeah, well, we were out last night. Well, we weren't drinking." And I go, "That's cool. I mean, you're allowed to have a good time. Don't get me wrong." I said, but what do you really want out of this? And oh, you you want to be oh you want to do well, okay? Why are you out and not resting? Because today's an important sparring day. You got to show your coaches, you know, that you're progressing. You're doing this. If you're coming in just getting in the work, just for the conditioning sake of it, and not not doing all the other stuff. I mean, you almost have to live a monk's life to do this. Yeah, to do this properly, especially nowadays. Like Woodson is the prime example of that. Like Sean Woodson. Yeah. Like. That's what he does. He gets up, he trains, he'll nap, he'll eat, he'll train. You know, he don't go out and do all stuff. He'll have his cheat days and all. But, I mean, consistency over a long duration of time and talent 
kid's talented. It got him through. Yeah. But, you know, when, if you want something, you got to sacrifice something for it. You, you got to live the life of a professional. Yeah. You got to go all fucking in. Like, either you want it or you don't. Like, you can't take breaks. Yeah, and if you don't, that's perfectly fine. Just don't tell me something different than that. You yeah. know, it's like if you... How many people do we know in jiu-jitsu that are, you know, not saying it's like it's a bad thing, but they're just normal people. They're yeah. just regular people. They have regular jobs. They go, I just want to do this for fun and learn it. Yeah. And they get pretty proficient. Yeah. They don't ever want to go to tournaments and do all this other stuff. I still respect every bit of what they do as much as I do. Yeah. Because they're putting in the work and they've, they've defined what they want out of it and that's what that's the parameters they're working in. And right. They don't cheat that. Right. So, it's, I mean, that's one thing I really like about jiu-jitsu is yeah. it's accessible to anybody. It really is, dude. Like, you got the you got the young guys who are, who are trying to fight, but you also got the professionals. You got the older guys who are just like, I just want to be fucking active and hang around people. Yes. You know, you got everybody. You know what I mean? All, all professions. You got doctors, lawyers, carpenters, plumbers, like everybody in that fucking gym just trying to get better. Yeah, there's a guy I was drilling with last night, Revive. I haven't drilled with them yet because when Revive opened, they got some newer people. He's a lawyer. Didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, cool. Cool. So, yeah. We're going over Kimura uh, defenses off of a single leg to a sweep to a back take. Yeah. And he's new and he was sitting there doing it. And if you looked at him at Walmart, you wouldn't think he was yeah. anything different than anybody else. Yeah. But I mean, that's what's very cool to me. So it is cool. It's a, it's a beautiful sport, man. And uh, dude, you're training your ass off right now, man. Yeah. Like, I, you're just always, you're just going, dude. You're, you're living that monk life. It's, it's my medicine. It keeps me kind of sane, but I'm also at that weird stage where, you know, I'm just a call away. Especially this year. Stay I mean, active. locally it's messed up. If that last fight would have ended any differently, then I, ca- I could have gotten a call this year. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just, I've had some, this year is rough injury-wise because in February at Fuji, I tore my groin. Oh, my shit. My left side. I tore muscle and tendon on a takedown. <laughs> it won the gi division in the no gi, man. I'm going against these guys that are like 250 pounds. Oh, wow. So, uh, they're like the trees from the Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. So I get the first guy, you know, I, I won that one. Didn't have a point scored on me. It's cool. The next guy, you know, we're going. I shoot my, my go-to takedown. Feel something pop. And I'm like, hmm, okay. And some stuff you can work through. So I keep going. And I had to move that way one more time. And it just was like, nope. 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 And then I had people try and come help me off the mat. And this was... After Kobe died, and remember he broke his, tore his Achilles, Achilles. shot free throws, and I'm like, nope, nobody helped me off the mat. <laughs> so I, I crawled off the mat, and that lingered for months. Yeah. Months. Groins are bad. And then uh, I was supposed to have a fight in August. Ended up falling through because the opponent I was supposed to have, which I think there was some other stuff going on there, he just all of a sudden stopped replying to messages. Mm. And so I went and had a, you know, you had to get a COVID test. You had to do all the stuff. But a week and a half out from that, I sprained my other groin badly. Like, it didn't tear it like the other one. And so I'm sitting there like, man, okay, we'll see if an opponent emerges. And they sent one over that was like a guy from Columbia. And I'm like, okay, cool. We'll go with that if they say yes. And if if they're not on it, okay, that's my sign. Because <laughs> three weeks out from that, I had uh, COVID. Oh, shit, bro. <laughs> so, and while I had COVID, my grandmother died. So. Damn. I didn't know I had it at first, and, and when I went to go get tested, they wouldn't test me. But I lost the smell and taste, and I had all the other symptoms. But before that, by the way, anyone that says masks don't work, I went to my grandmother's funeral with it. We all had to wear masks. Nobody got it. Yeah. So, I mean, there might be something to that. Yeah. At least we did something that could help. Yeah. 
but the worst part of it, I felt like I cut to 170 again. Really? And I was in pain. Yes. And I had the worst headache of my life. And you lose your smell and taste for like two weeks. And even though the pain and all that sucked with it, because it's not a flu. Like a flu, you just get up, you can eat something, you can take a nap. I could only sleep at night. Really? But the the worst part after the initial pain was over was not having smell or taste for two weeks. Wow. To not like me and you know what it's like not to have a satisfying meal, but we can cheat it. We can put like some sauce on it or something. Right. But to not taste anything. Dude, I'm sitting there going through the fridge trying to see what I can taste. I I bought this awesome coffee machine. It it auto uh, pour overs for you. Came in, couldn't taste my coffee. So I'm going through the fridge and I'm like, what can I taste? So no hot sauce. And so I got a pickle and I'm like, oh, it just is crunchy and cold. Nothing. No vinegar, no nothing. It was the weirdest thing. It scared me because I'm like, if I can't ever taste anything again, I'm not going to be a happy person. No. So I'm taking all these essential oils and like trying to smell <laughs> them. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And then gradually I started to get some of it back. And even as far as a month ago, I started realizing there's some tastes and smells I've only recently got back. Really? Yeah, it was really weird. Wow. I can see why if someone's compromised, it would really mess them up. Yeah. But it hits everybody a little bit differently. So, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Dude. So, but then I had like, went and had an IV infusion of vitamins and all that. And I was still training for that last fight. So there was a couple signs like, hey, dude, slow down. And whenever you do what we do, you have two things. You, you remember the old cartoon with the devil and the angel? Yeah. And you're like, one of them's like, oh, you know what? These are just the obstacles you got to overcome for. It's mental toughness. Don't yeah, be a pussy. Over. Just yep. push over. And then you got this side like, hey, stupid, how many signs do you need that this shit's not going to work out? Yeah. And in that moment, you know, you got people asking you all these questions about, and you got to sell tickets and do all this stuff. And you're like, what's the right course? That's really stressful. Yeah, it and is. It, it didn't end up working out. Brad Marlene did have a show at NFA, though, and it was fun. It was fun to see everybody, man. It was good to have some sense of normalcy. Yeah. There's another one in October coming up. And. I don't know. I just was trying to stay ready. I was trying to feel like myself again because with the injury and the sickness and the negativity of the year, I'm not the type that wants to get on any, go to a doctor and tell them I'm sad and get on antidepressants. You know, I've did that shit when I worked in an office. So I was just trying to do things to keep everything going. Hit squad closed down. So now, and with everything going on, everything's open in St. Charles. Yeah. So, you know, the drives are longer, the days are longer, but this week, Tuesday, it was to a point where, I mean, I could spar and stuff getting ready for that fight, but I was going to go into a compromise, but I was good enough, I thought. Yeah. And But this week, Tuesday, was the first time I got to roll hard with Nick at the gym, like no holding back, going since February. Oh, wow. And so, you know, all those little things in my brain started lighting up when I'm like, oh, man, you still got it. You can still move. Now, don't get me wrong. I was still rolling and doing some stuff, and it was funny because it made me change some of my game. Mm. Some of the, the little finer details that I didn't need before because I was just going to pressure, pass, and do my bread and butter stuff, it made me worry more about some of the things I did already know how to do, but like foot placement and opening up things whenever people are trying to go for certain attacks or just – Yeah, little details. Yeah, and so – Tuesday, when I finally got to take the training wheels off, I was even kind of like, oh, yeah. cool, I'm happy with that. Because whenever all this was going on, I was still training. We had a team training I went to. And when I did get promoted to brown belt, it didn't feel like my purple belt. My purple belt, I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is awesome. I, Man, you know what? I do feel like I'm at this one. And now I feel like, I'm, I, feel like I am at brown belt level. But when I got it, my friend had just died. One of my best friends died 
we didn't know. It was a surprise. So that week I was already numb to it. And with all the injuries and he gave it to me, it felt kind of foreign putting it on me. Yeah. And uh, it just didn't hold the same excitement that the other one did. Because I found out my friend died on like a week before that. And then I went to go have closure and go to the services they had. And I thought I was going to see a body and I saw an urn. Oh. It fucked me up. Yeah. And it was really sad to have someone who's a year younger than me just, you know, it went like that. But, I mean, that's just a mix of some of the year I've had. So yeah, just dude. trying to stay positive. Everybody's had a shit year, you know. There's, But the training is what has kept me afloat. And training also is stressful. Yeah. If sometimes it's hard to love a sport that you don't feel like is loving you back. Right. And you have those moments and you almost feel like, what am I doing here? But my alternative is to go home and sit down and do nothing and stew over things. And yeah. and that's not good for me either. Right. So I had to find that balance of both. And here I am. I'm excited because I got three hard days in a row that I didn't have to hold back. Yeah. Today I'm taking a rest day because I'm not going to get too excited. And we had, we had this schedule, which is perfect. It worked and out. Tomorrow I'm going to take off. And now if I can just keep this momentum going, I'm going to be excited just just to feel like myself again. I feel like now I've got some of my identity back because that was ripped from me when I got injured. And I didn't have an ACL tear or anything like that. Matter of fact, when I was trying to get back to training, I was rusty. I, there was things I was doing, like stand-up-wise, that was like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> because it was almost like coming off of an injury like that. Yeah. And then there was a lockdown and nobody could train to do anything. Right. So what a strange year. Dude, it's been a crazy year. I think the only plus in, is that, like, everybody had to slow down. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, well, I'm just sitting here doing nothing and everybody else is working. It's like, for the most part, everybody had to kind of slow down. But it's certainly, at least for me anyway, like, it definitely helps to have something to be rooted into. To, like, even on the days you're not the most productive, to, like, at least get some sort of win because you set out for to achieve something that day. Like, and for me, it was 75 hard. Like, it's like, even if I don't have, like, a great day, it's like, I still got my two workouts in. I still read my pages. I still fucking drink my gallon of water. Like, it was still a successful day. And uh, it's just, you just got to have something to, like, keep you going. Yeah, I just wish it would have happened in my 20s and not, not at 34. Yeah. But it's, I mean, there's a silver lining to it if you look at it because it did make you have to have some perspective on some things. Yeah. Some things you thought were important that you needed day to day. All of a sudden you're like, no, I didn't need that. Right. And then more time with your family. That's good. That became important. And then a lot of people couldn't even be around some of their family. Yeah. So that gave you perspective, too. It just kind of shows you how good good we had it so it makes some little stupid argument seem dumb right and what's what's the tragic thing about it is some people have already lost that like we talked about earlier it was so negative online and all this and the genie's not going back on the bottle on this virus they 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 missed the boat on that but we are starting to get some stuff back like sports like there's the football's going on now there's some fans going there youth sports a lot of them are playing not all of them yeah but instead of being like, oh, well, that was taken away from us, we should be appreciative as we incrementally get stuff back. Yeah. People still want to bitch and argue. Everybody just wants to be unhappy. Oh, man. It's the stew in the negativity. It's just so much easier to live in that negative space for some reason. It can be. And I know it is. That's yeah. why I kept going to the gym. Because if I sit at home and, and get in that environment, I'm not good to be around. I don't like I don't like feeling like that. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, dude you said it, man. Like, this sport is super unforgiving and i've been talking since i've i've been removed from it for i guess like three years now dude it's been a little over three years since i fought and it's like it's kind of weird because 
physically, I'm probably better than fucking ever right now, bro. Like, I could step in there and probably fuck some people. I've been doing a little bit of sparring, a little bit here and there, a little boxing, different things. It's Don't like, tease them. I'm like, bro, my timing is still tight. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, man, it's like, fuck, man. Like, I think if I did step in there, I would have no pressure because I just give no fucks anymore. It just, it, I, it might, I might even be better than ever. And like, after watching Aiden Sonia just like fucking pick apart Costas last week. I'm like, damn, dude. Like, made it look easy. Made it look so easy, bro. Just stayed outside, chopped that leg down for five minutes. Chopped. People don't realize how like strategic he was. He chopped that leg the fuck down. And then yep. when dude had no more power, he fucking capitalized. So I see that. I'm like, damn, man. I could probably. And then people kind of look at me like a fucking, like just a jujitsu guy. I'm like, you motherfuckers don't know. Mm. Like, That's a Muay Thai. You trained with Quentin for many years. Many years, dude. Like, I've definitely had some wars in there. But, um, dude, I just, since I've been being removed and, like, I've been doing some coaching with, like, Jackson Henson and different things. And it's like, I've been telling people, man, like, there's this point in everybody's career with fighting where, it's going to seem like nothing's going right. Fights are going to fall through. People aren't, you're not going to be able to schedule anything. There's going to be this huge gap of time to where it's going to get easy to start fucking around and start fucking off. And then the opportunities are going to come and you're going to miss them. Either stay ready or fucking, or don't have them. Because I use Julius as an example all the time because there's probably like a three-year period where he was not getting fights. Nope. He just wasn't, but he lived in the fucking gym. He did the things consistently, daily. And then when he did get the call... He's ready. And then now he's, I think, uh, like number eight in Bellator's top ten. And he's, he's going to do really well in that organization. So it's just like, but he stayed ready. Like, I got to call the fight. Uh, I think Jesse called me to fight on Bellator to fight Brendan Ward. Brendan or Brandon Ward or whatnot at 170. But I was like, it was on 10 days notice, and I was like 198 or some shit. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I can make weight and then become a punching bag for this fucking savage. Like, that's not a good move, So no. I did, I didn't, but I wasn't ready. And then he called me another time to go fight at Tel Aviv, but I didn't have my passport, which was kind of ironic because I actually just applied for my passport, and I had it like two weeks later, but they wanted you to have it before you could sign the contract. Yep. So it's just like staying fucking ready because the opportunities, they will come, and it's usually whenever you think you're fucking safe. When you think you're good – that's when they come, and that's usually when you're fucking off, and then you're you're too heavy, and you're not doing what you need to do. They will come. Yeah, and then people will be like, "Oh, well, why aren't you ready, bro? Why didn't you take? We offered you this, and it's like, hey, man, I can't be ready twenty four seven. It's yeah, not, not the human condition. Like it's tough. But uh, call me on two weeks' notice, and I've I've been training for the, the last six fights just fell through, and you just call me on two weeks' notice, yeah. asshole. Like yeah, I'm sitting here mourning the last six ones that fell through. This was the breaking point. Yeah, but uh, do you know who Kevin Kroom is? Yeah, he just got signed with the UFC. Yes. Whenever, so I was down at Bellator cornering Jameis Taylor, and he fought on that car too. Mm-hmm. So a guy like that, been in it a while. He was around a little over 500 record. I don't know him personally. I know I know James, his coach, and I know Sean goes out there. And yeah, I just know him. of him. But hovering a little bit around 500, goes out to Kansas City, trains with those guys, puts together a little streak. Yeah. Right? You know, and – I think he's like 21 and 12 now or something. Okay. Somewhere along the lines. A lot of fights. I could be be off. Yes. A lot of fights, a lot of early fights in the early days. Yeah. You know, fighting everybody. So those losses pile up and people don't understand that. Yeah. But he got a call short notice in the UFC because he's got the right manager, the right gym, the right pipeline, and he's been working hard. He's on a streak. They go out there for the fight, short notice. He's got COVID. Does he? Yes. So he got signed and cut within a day's notice, right? Damn. So he recovers from it, goes back to the gym. You know, I'll find my opportunity. I'll keep going. Two or three weeks later, he gets another call. 
hey, we got a short notice drop off. This guy is a weight class above, and he's a killer. He wasn't supposed to win that fight. No. Takes the fight, goes out there, throws a cross to the body, hook high. Hook high, lands. The guy comes up, dazed. He lands a front choke on him, wins the fight. Gets a performance of the night bonus. Goes from having, he said, $64 in his bank account to probably, well, I know we got a fight of the night, so it's 50000 And contract in the UFC, a win. Show money and win money, I think, for the beginner guys are 10000 apiece. Oh, wow. So all that hard work, all that investment of time, he was able to cash in on it. Yeah. And so he probably was, had $35,000, $38,000 after taxes and paying people. Yeah. I mean, just having, he's there. He's yeah. there. You know, he's a guy that's been grinding away for years, and he's there. Yeah. Those kinds of stories, man, I just feel like those are what keep me going. It may not happen to me, but damn it, man, I'm just going to I'm gonna stay ready because I like still feeling sharp. I like still feeling prominent. Yeah. I like still still feeling good, man. It's like if part of my identity is my capability, and I feel like something's rusty and off, I get a little bitchy about it because I'm like, man, my, why isn't my – why isn't this feeling good? Yeah. This should be feeling good. I've been doing this 10 years. Why am I messing this up? Because some other movement patterns in there or you know, age is a factor. Yeah. But it's uh, like I said, that last fight, if it had gone any differently, I've, who knows? Who knows what this year would have been? I was winning that fight all but the last 20 seconds of it, and it just changed the entire outcome of everything. It can happen that fast, dude. So it's, Yeah. Dude, it's an unforgiving fucking sport. Well, that and highest was, of highs, lowest of lows. And if I'm being honest here, it should have ended differently. I'm in side control, throwing knees. Twenty seconds left in the fight, and the ref threatens to stand it up. Bad refing can fuck it all up. So I try and force a mount just for a movement. And you can watch the video. Uh, the guy I was fighting looks at the ref like, "Oh, here comes my chance." He 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 nodded. He acknowledged it. And as soon as he felt me move, he exploded and got up. Yeah. Threw a Hail Mary kick, and that was it. Just, yeah, just fucking, just all all out. Just. And I'm just like, do you, we had conversations afterward. I'm like, do you understand what was going on on the ground there? Like, if if you're a ref, you cannot say you're there for fighter safety and then you're there for entertaining the fans. Those are two completely different things. Because right in the beginning of the fight, I wanted a completely different fight. In the first exchange, I got poked in the eye. Mm. That's okay. That happens, you know? Yeah. It's on me at that point if the ref doesn't see it because I can't turn and go, hey, I got poked in the eye. Yeah. So, you know, I had to do what I had to do for that round to recover. And I, I did. You know, it was more trying to take him. I did. I took him down, and I was trying to throw punches on it. His ground defense was very solid, right? But a ref doesn't understand the fight that's going on in there. Like, if I'm in half guard trying to get that knee cut through to get the side control to slide that knee over in the mount – and he's pinned against the fence. You do not understand how dominant of a position that is. And if this guy is proficient in jiu-jitsu, what I had to do to get there. Right. And they just stand him up. Dude. And I'm like, and when I fought Weston, I dislocated my ankle in that fight. That's not how I wanted to fight that fight. But I, I had to do what I had to do. And so it was more of a grappling affair. And with two and a half minutes left, I look at Jeremy, who's announcing the fight, and I go, how much time is left? And then I tried to finish the fight. Yeah. But if the ref would have kept forcing stand-ups when I'm trying to still hit and do what I can do, yeah, I'm injured, dude. You don't know that. I'm supposed to overcome this. You can't just give him a pass. Yeah. Like, in what other sport are they going, you're winning by too much. We're going to spot this guy a reset. Right. You know, it's it drives me nuts. And the, the, the refs that have fought know that. They, they kind of know what you're going through. Or at least you can tell them things. Yeah. And they'll listen. But 
Oh, man, I was so pissed. I was so pissed. I wanted that one so bad. And I never had a concussion before. And that was that was weird, man. It's like the mood swings I got on that for like a month. Yeah. It, like, you'll just never be happy again type of feeling. It mm. was weird. Wow. So, it's, I mean, it's unfortunate. I just wish, what other sport are the refs not proficient in that sport? Like most, I know a couple of high-level college referees. They play basketball in college. <laughs> you know, they, they're, and that's basketball. Yeah. It's not even fighting. Like, you got to have... You can't just take some test and show up and be a fan. Yeah. Like, yeah, dude, the refs and the judges. And the worst part was when I had this conversation about it, nothing changed afterward. Yeah. I went through the right channels. I didn't publicly say it. I am now for the first time, and people that know me know I've been pissed about it. But there's, you have to change your action. Like, to me, if you make a mistake, cool. Yeah. If, if I make a mistake, I'll own it. But what comes from that is if you change the action to correct it. And if you don't, then we have a problem. Yeah. You know, but you cannot be for fighter safety and you cannot be for entertainment at the same time. It's not your job to entertain the goddamn fans. Right. It's not. Like, I'm the one in there risking my ass. I put in the eight weeks. If he can't get up and I'm trying to hit him, yeah, that's on him, man. Yeah. I'm not bear hugging somebody. Yeah, man. There's a difference between, like, being active and being careless. You know what I mean? Like, I can't be reckless and give up a dominant position. Like, I can still try to be active and progress, but it's like there's there's times to do it. You know what I mean? You can't force it. Yeah, and the the game has changed so much. The jiu-jitsu is so much different. The, the days of posturing up in guard and raining down punches are over. Slim to none, yeah. And you know, happen, like you when I had multiple black belt friends of mine after the fight go, dude, that was fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I go, yes, I know. Thank you. There's nothing I can do about it. It's tough, dude. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's so unfortunate because I worked so hard for that. I saw that as the next the next peak to get over. Yeah, twenty two seconds, bro. Dude, that's what fucks you up on like the local and even some of the regional scenes is you're just not getting the best refs. And even at the big, you know, the the bigger shows, you see some really terrible refing, unfortunately, and terrible judge, you know, judgments that come through. But man, like. That one time, or I guess actually I went down to Thackerville and cornered a couple times, and um, both times I got to roll jujitsu with some of those Bellator guys, and, and a couple of them were refs. One of them in particular, um, who just ref the main event last week in a fight on, is Jason Herzog, and he's a black belt in jujitsu. Um, phenomenal fucking ref. I think I know exactly. Yeah, what communicates about. very clear, but he understands what's going on he understands that that whole fight on the ground like all the little different intricacies that that go into it that the layman just doesn't understand stand him up ref no man like they're fucking working right now something's happening there's a battle of energies and weight going on there that unless you do it you cannot possibly comprehend yeah at all and it drives me insane because the level of effort to even get some of these small accomplishments in there is hard. It's hard to hold them in. It down. is hard. Yeah. And if they can't get up, that's on them. But it, there's other things to it. Like to just go, oh, we'll stand them up. Dude, there's not advertisers paying for commercials on this show. I sold the damn tickets. Yeah. Shut your fucking mouth. Yeah. Like, if I, unless I'm laying there hugging him. Yeah. If you're laying there for five minutes not doing shit, like some people do do that, like, okay, I can get that. Yeah. That, that I can understand. And, or the guy on bottom holding, like, and nothing can happen to a point where he's negated it. But that's not that wasn't the case. Yeah, that was a side control. Side control, throwing is a dominant position. Yes, yes. And half guard shouldn't there. be stood up either. Mount shouldn't be stood up either. Guard. We can talk about guard. But if someone's pinned against the fence and someone's throwing punches and trying to pressure pass, that's different too. Yeah. You know, there's there's 
There's an art and a craftsmanship to that that you just do not understand. And it drives me insane. Oh, stand them up. Yeah. Stand them up, bro. Who the fuck are you? Fucking bang it out. Oh, man. It just drives me insane. Uh, oh, man. It was it was so disappointing. Dude, you've had the, a what rough I learned from go. The, I know. And you know what the, t- the sad lesson is I learned from that? Nobody cares. Don't listen to the... Yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> and then two, don't listen to the fucking ref. Yeah, fuck them. I... So after that fight, I went to Boston with Sean, and James was there with me, and I was talking to him about it and a few of the other guys, and they're like, yeah, fuck the ref. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's a shitty lesson to learn. The guy that's there for safety, I'm getting told from experienced guys, more experienced, better than me. Yeah. Yeah, fuck the ref. You can't listen to them. Dude, I've had refs tell me, like, oh, man, like, oh, I'm a grappler, so I, I let it go for longer, so don't really worry about it. And then I've, I've definitely – one ref who comes to mind, super nice guy, but he's just not that great of a ref is Mike England here in, in, in St. Louis, particularly a lot of times in Missouri in general. Super nice guy, but I've seen him do some terrible fucking refing. It's because he's not a fighter and he doesn't understand grappling. Uh, my pro debut, I had someone flattened out, punching him, and he's standing there watching me, and I'm telling him he's done. And he's arguing with me when I have this dude checkmated. Yeah. And so I threw a couple more hard ones that, I mean, I had nothing personally against the guy. He was checkmated. It was done. Like yeah. The, the fucking dinner was cooked, you know? Yeah. And he's sitting there letting me just rain on him a little bit more when it was done. Yeah. He wasn't getting up. Like that position of all positions yeah. is checkmate. Dude, I've had him take a point away from me before. It was one of my last amateur fights. I think I was fighting. I can't remember the guy's name, actually. But um, he, he did his little talk in the back he's like watch the low blows guys i'm not gonna have it i caught the guy with a low blow maybe like super inadvertently which happens it happens and you know and he took a point away immediately didn't even give me a warning or not just point he's like the warning was in the back what the fuck bro like have you never been in a fight before (laughs) like jesus christ like if i wasn't beating this dude's ass that point really could have affected the outcome yeah especially mismatch leads those happen all the time yeah so it's Oh, man. There's just got to be a better standard for who we allow to ref and who we allow to judge because the judges will ruin a fight just as quick as a ref will. Yeah, and I kind of hope the model goes to more show money. I don't like that judges can dictate how much pay you have. If yeah. the fight is close, you and at the highest work. level, some of these guys, I mean, they're they're putting in a lot of work, and, and they're on contracts for, you know, 10000 and 10000 And, oh, just just don't let it go to the hands of the ref okay, or the judges. Well, the funny thing is, this guy's a professional fighter, too, and he also trains his ass off. I mean, it's just not always going to happen right. unless we just set a timer like soccer and it just counts up until it's over. Yeah. But I, I, I just don't like that one person's opinion can take half someone's money away. Dude, there are certainly improvements that can be made. I don't like that whole show money thing either. They should definitely borrow from the boxing model and just make the purses bigger. Yeah. And, you know, while I'm talking about some of my experience, let me just say in the last two years – now I can say it. Do not sign exclusive contracts. Do not sign exclusive contracts. Don't do that. I did that. It was a bad move. So after we last spoke, I on the podcast, I think it was after my Bellator fight I won. Yeah. I had to wait a whole entire year because of a contract. I didn't fight again until March. I wasn't injured. Yeah. I actually asked for a certain opponent because mm-hmm. someone just fought him. Volker just fought him. I'm like, well, that'd be a good opponent for me. And uh, Was it that taller dude? It was uh, Justin Demoni. Dude, him and Volker, if, I, if it's the guy I'm thinking of, they had a fucking war. The second round, he ended up, Volker ended up beating him. Oh, that's not the guy I'm thinking of. So, uh, 
No, you're thinking of the Van Camp guy. That yeah. was a battle. Dude, that was a But I'm sitting here war. like, I asked them for that fight. And they were like, no. And so I'm in the matching rights portion of my contract. NFA comes around. I'm like, cool, I'll get this fight here. And I'm, you know, being a dumbass, thinking everyone's going to be civil about it. And I get a bout agreement, and I send it in. And they have 14 days to counter. How long do they have matching rights for? Uh, so it all depends, person to person. Mine was... Mine might have been 180 days, like six months. Six months, yeah. Yes. So I send it in, and I don't get anything back, but they have 14 days. Emails are timestamped, too. So on the 14th day, at the last second, I get a response. I don't know who this is for. I'm like, I sent it to you. You know who it's for. So they wanted one little box checked. So I checked the box and sent it back to them again. So two weeks later. Since a whole month now. Yeah, a whole month when it's 14 days. Yeah. And I'm training for a fight and s- trying to sell tickets and, you know. And yeah. we're talking about a regional fucking show. Yeah. Talking about me. We're small beans here in retrospect, right? And the 28th day goes past. And I go, I'm signing this tomorrow. Oh, no, 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 you can't. Oh, we got this. We're going to do this. They tried to offer me a matching offer of Bobby Volker in Kansas City one week earlier. You know what it's like to cut to 170? Mm-hmm. To cut one week earlier, to travel, and have to take an extra day off work for a level of opponent that is much higher. It's so tough. It's not a matching offer at all. No. It is not a matching offer. You can't even match the location. You can't match the date. And so I go, it's not a matching offer. So I, I go to do the other one, and I get a letter or an email. Cease and desist letter from a lawyer. Oh, God. With a cease and desist on Nemesis on me and i'm sitting here like this is really what we're doing here yeah like i'm just trying to fight it was a fight i asked you guys for and you didn't and by the way they anybody can claim whatever they want i have everything notated i have all the emails which got pretty petty yeah i got the emails i had to get a lawyer to deal with this wow and i have the bout agreements in place i have the timestamps. i have a table of contents i've kept it all pdf wise yeah I don't need to get into all the details of it because it got pretty ugly. Yeah. I will only just say you are your own advocate. If you don't have a manager, try and find it. Try and find one. Try and find a good one. If not, do not sign exclusive contracts. They do not benefit you. And I've learned this about contracts and other things in my life now too. But think about it. At 32 years old, I'm in the prime. Yeah. I'm in the prime off the biggest one I've had. Yeah. And I had to sit till March. Dude. That's like, rough. Do you know where I could probably be right now? If I had two or three more bouts under my belt? Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Like, uh, that's time. That's You can't put a price on that. And it was matter. all over what? Yeah. All over what? Dude. I thought everybody was going to be civil. Like, okay, good luck. Have fun. We'll do business later. You know, yeah. sometimes you eat at one restaurant. Sometimes you eat at another. Not, hey, my restaurant's the only one in town. Right. I, I'm still baffled by it, man. It, I, was, I mean, it wasn't about me at all. It was Yeah, what's confusing to me is like, you know, oftentimes you're like, oh, well, that guy was just, you know, a lot of fighters just make bad decisions because they're just not business savvy. But you're on your shit. Like, you're you're like one of the few professionals in the city. Well, you know what, what I'm saying? Like, it, you know what you're doing. Yeah, well, what happened was when, when Steve left, Steve, my original trainer, uh, and his, it was his girlfriend at the time, wife now, they 
had a child. It was they didn't expect to have a child, but Steve was a little bit later in his life, and it was awesome. I mean, he loves his kid. It was a good surprise. He, that became his life. Yeah, that's understandable. Right. The gym wasn't important anymore. He still loves martial arts, but his son is his life now, yeah. as it should be. Uh, that was my manager. That was my coach, and I didn't have one anymore. And when Steve Smith died, Rumble Time was gone. Right. So there's one show in town. Here's your fight. Here's your bout agreement. Here's your contract. Yeah. We need all these. What can you do? Fuck, dude. Yeah, because you're you really you're put in situations where you feel like you have no other options. Yeah, there was no other competition in town. Yeah. Uh, no, no, nothing that was gonna stay. Now NFA is here to stay, and those guys they do right. they do great work. Right. You show up. Marlene is professional. She's yeah, she got bout agreements done you show up they have food there they have water there you show up the state guys there as soon as you turn in your paperwork you can step on the scale and rehydrate nice you don't have to wait it doesn't have all the glitz and glamour at the casinos and all that but it's got that old school feel and it's got people that care so i'm gonna do everything i can to help those people because they are in it for the right reasons yeah so marlene and brad are good people i mean i'm I'm still so disappointed how it happened because with the other one i was duped man i was sitting here like Whatever you guys need, I'm here to help you. I did I did your podcast with you. I did broadcast work with you. I did everything to promote your brand. Matter of fact, before I signed one of the deals I had, I said, I want to be a part of the brand. I want to help grow this brand. Yeah. And it just was a one-way street. Mm. You know, looking back on it, I feel like a fucking idiot, but I thought I was doing the right thing to invest in something that I believed in. Right. And have you ever believed in something and then the carpet got rugged out, pulled out from under you? It's like, wow. I was I went out on this limb. And I was going to do the extra, and I was there, and I even defended you guys. And then you're going to do this to me? That's fucked up. I mean, it's like we can disagree and we can have phone conversations, but when I ask you for something and I, I find another avenue to do what I want to do because it's my life, I'm going to do what I want for my fucking self Yeah. because I can't rely on you, and you st- you don't support it like after everything else, why does it have to be that way? Yeah, it's just a shame when, when sometimes like just this like the, the principle of business – where it kind it's of it's about like, winning to them. Yeah, they don't give a fuck about anything else yeah. but winning and being the top dog and te- put telling you where your place is. It just kind of overrides like doing the right thing, or yeah, you know, mean, it just uh, it just takes away the human element sometimes. And that's that was that's that was all I wanted, man. Yeah. I wasn't trying to take from anybody. I was trying to do for me. Yeah, that's super unfortunate, dude. Dude, you've had you. <sighs> Like when whenever you are done fighting, like I I imagine you'll probably transition to like coaching and probably do a little bit of management. Just you just get from the natural, just like just giving advice and shit. You're gonna have a lot of fucking. You have a lot of expertise to help out these young dudes, bro. Yeah, I mean, I learned <laughs> most learned of the hard lessons. That's the hard for sure. way. To <laughs> well, I mean, just it's fucking tricky waters, man. It is tricky waters. Have you ever thought about just you know taking a little vacay and uh, and like moving your camp? Elsewhere? Uh, you know, maybe like visiting Rufus Sport for a couple of weeks or... Well, I mean, to do something like that, I'd have to build up some savings. And, yeah. And actually have the money to do that. So, uh, and also something on the horizon. Like to just go up there and have fun. Like the couple times I've gone to train up there, James's, that place is great. It's just... They're killing it right now. It's just hard whenever, uh, you know, you got some other stuff. Like, I don't even have all my own shit together. So it's hard to, to put everything else off and feel like I'm being extra selfish to go somewhere yeah. on a whim. Because I feel like if I just stay ready now, I'm good enough that if I if opportunity meets preparation, I should be able to get the job done. Yeah. Despite some of the things I've run into, I still believe that. Yeah. I still believe 
under the right circumstances, I have a shot against almost anybody in the world. Like some of the top guys, you know, at my age, some of the young guys, maybe not. Doesn't mean I'm afraid of them. But I, I want to do it right. Like there's a certain integrity I want to walk away with when it's done. Yeah. Um, could I jump in and ask for all the, the young lions right now? Yeah, I mean, I could, but why? I yeah, mean, be smart. I mean, I, that little ego pissiness of being young and in your 20s and, and wanting everybody that walks around your weight class to get the fucking hands is, is over with, man. The table's big enough for everybody to eat at. I just want I just want to, when I'm done, uh, have a decent legacy on it. Yeah. And the thing with age now that I was saying, like, my recovery is different. It is. There's smarter ways to do it. Uh, my camp is spread out. I, I have awesome training at Wolves Den. Mop is amazing with his ground. I mean, a lot of people are hard on him, but, I mean, that guy, you'd be amazed at the stuff he can do on the ground. Yeah. But the guy that just won the light heavyweight belt, Jan Blakowicz, 37 years old. Dude, I mean, you can physically compete well into your late 30s. Yeah, so, I mean, there's that balance of – how, when, why, but for now, I, I mean, I'm just trying to get better and yeah, get all my shit handled. And if something happens, it'd be great. Uh, you know, you see a guy like Sean, and Sean's went through some contract issues as well. Has he? Yeah, that's his story to tell. But luckily, he had management that I didn't have. Dude, I've heard about the UFC. I've, you know, I was, I was, yeah, I, I sat down with uh, John Meehan, and we were talking a little bit off camera about, you know, how the UFC operates. Oh well. He hasn't had issues with them. He had the same issues with the same people uh, that I yeah. had as well. But uh, Sean had managers that are lawyers. They don't fuck around. Yes. Um, is Sean with Paradigm or is he with Iridium? Iridium. Iridium. So and and they take care of their guys. Yeah. They really do. So and they've got so many fighters in the UFC now, and they've really capitalized on the year where there's short notice fights and the contender series and all that. Mm -hmm. But he had the right people. Learned the right lessons, and I think he's going to have something here late November. Oh, okay. So if everything pans out, that was the last I had talked to him. He said maybe November. So Yeah. So that would be cool because he's itching. He's itching to get back in there because you know, he's mad about that last one. He just he won the whole fight and got caught in one little move. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's the fucking sport, man. Yeah. And it, it can change that fast. Yes. and Especially at that level. Yeah, and the thing is – me and you know that, but a lot of people don't. Losses in MMA, they suck, but they're going to happen if you're, unless you're a phenom like John Jones or, I yeah. mean, Paul Acosta was how, what was he, 20 and 0 or 13 and 0, somewhere in there. Something. Something and 0. Yeah. And he just lost to the top guy. It's going to happen. Got embarrassed. It, yeah. yeah. I don't remember seeing a title fight that dominant since Connor and Eddie Alvarez. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Connor put it on Eddie. Yeah, I expected both of those fights to be competitive, and I was like, "Whoa, dude!" So. Hey, you see, you see people talking about uh, Israel Aiden Sanya about possibly how he was cycling and he didn't do it right. Yeah, you, yeah, I did see that. Did you see the picture? Are, are those pictures real? You think are those shopped? Or well, I tr I try to take a screenshot of the video, see the, if I can see it. The interesting thing to me, the interesting thing to me is it's one peck. It's not both. Usually it affects both. Yeah. But he said he had some painful lump in there. Huh. But there was something the other day that was online, and I read it. And you know these things that have a little funny thing at the end? Yeah. It was like, man, I was getting a haircut the other day, and 
I'm sitting here at this place in, in New Zealand in Auckland. I, th I think it was Auckland. He goes, and I'm sitting there, my daughter's crying, and in walks Israel out of Sinai. And I'm like, oh, man, there he is. And I'm like, that's cool. I don't want to bother him, though. And he's like, and then my daughter started crying. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I don't want him to piss off the champ. And so he goes, after a while, he gets up, comes over there, and talks to my little girl and goes, hey, what's up? Are you doing okay? How are you doing? He's like, I'm thinking, what a nice guy. He takes his shirt off and starts breastfeeding my daughter. And I was like, ah. <laughs> 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 I totally didn't expect that last bit. That's hilarious. But the internet is savage, man. As, as shitty as it can be, the memes oh, and these bro. little things that catch you off guard are great. Dude, the internet is undefeated. I, dude, I, I'm quick to steal your fucking meme and share it. Like, <laughs> if it's funny, I will share that shit. Do you follow the Crying Jordan page? No, I don't. So they, the, the meme of Michael Jordan's retirement speech where he was crying, right. they meme everybody on that thing. Oh, yeah. So after the debate, they took a cutout on the map of the – the United States. Yeah. Put his, put his face, face on there. <laughs> yeah. The whole world's just crying yeah. right now. Yep. Oh. Yeah, dude, those those memes are super funny with the crying Jordan face, bro. Yeah. They can I just I just uh snatched one off of somebody. It's uh almost oh, I haven't shared it yet, but it's <laughs> <laughs> It's about timing. Yeah, dude, it is. And uh sometimes I waited a couple of days so they don't know I took it. <laughs> but it's a picture of like Bob Ross and but he's like has like this military uniform on. He has his paint his paint little board here, and then he has a gun. And it says, um, "When you hear all the happy little trees speaking Vietnamese, because it, it's like it's like a Vietnam joke." Yeah, dude, it had it, it's funnier when you see it. But I'm gonna share it. And <laughs> dude, I dude, I get dark with the humor sometimes. I don't care. Dark humor can be funny, especially if it's well placed. Just laugh at it, man. It's mm -hmm. like intention matters. Like if I'm not being serious, it's like it doesn't mean I fucking hate people. Just yeah. I just thought that was funny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> So you're going to Pans next week? Yeah, dude. Nice. Yeah, I leave on uh, on the eighth. So next Thursday we're flying down. Um, I originally signed up for Master One Division, but they don't compete until Sunday. So I changed my division to uh, the adult division. So I compete next Friday. What weight class range is that? Uh, heavy. So I went to two hundred seven. Um, I think the I think medium heavy is like I don't know. Like ninety five or something. I'm walking around at ninety five, and I'm actually pretty lean. Like I actually have a six pack at ninety, hundred ninety five pounds right now. So I didn't want to like cut weight and have to. It's just jujitsu, man. So it's well, like, especially with the gi, you gotta wear with the gi. Yeah, you gotta wear your gi, and it's right before you step on the mat. So it's like I'll probably be a little bit smaller than everybody else, but I'm feeling stronger than fucking ever. I'm feeling tuned the fuck in. I'm doing jujitsu like six, seven days a week, dude. And then after you cut weight for an MMA fight, you're like, I'm not cutting weight for jujitsu. Yeah, but yeah, and like I feel like. It, Mentally, I'm in a good a good place as far as like being able to compete. Cause like honestly, man, like I don't get a lot of satisfaction out of competing. It doesn't do anything for me. Like I just want my black belt at this mm -hmm. stage of the game. I know that's not a cool thing to say for a lot of these people in jujitsu, but it's like, dude, I feel like I put in the work and I feel like I've I've earned it. What's well, like, the journey? I wouldn't. I'd say that's your goal. So you're it's my goal. Putting that work in towards it. So. Yeah, dude. I want my black belt and like I want I want my my black and red belt and that's. 31 years after you get your black belt. I got to get that fucker first, though. So it's like, I'm going to do this. Um, I'm feeling really good, though. Like, actually, I, f I feel good about competing. I think the last time I competed was I did, I think, a Fuji. after that was a year ago. Yeah, after refing all day. I didn't really want to do it. I just did it because mm -hmm. I was asked to. And then before that was another Fuji, but it was an actual tournament. It wasn't like the... It wasn't the Fuji. Well, I think it's called Fuji. I think it was the last respect card that they did. Yep. So it was respect, and then I – me and you competed, right? And I, I didn't even want to fucking do that tournament, dude. I didn't even want to be there. We had another match. I'm just like, I'm not fucking doing it. 
Like, I did the one match, and I'm like, fuck this, dude. I signed up for Nogi. I'm like, fuck Nogi. I'm not doing no. I didn't want to do it. Like, I don't get any satisfaction from competing. Like, you know, like, there's validation from being the fucking man and from winning. And my whole life, and maybe my wrestling coach just instilled this with me, but when you do the things you're supposed to do and you win, like, act like you've been there. You're supposed to fucking oh, yeah. win. So it can kind of numb the the celebration. But then when you lose, you just ruminate on that shit and you just fucking hate it. And, like, I love to train. I like to train like I'm getting ready for a competition. I love pushing myself in that way. But then, like, going into the competition, it's just not my bag anymore. Like, mm-hmm. it just is what it is. But it's a part of the fucking process and you got to do it. So that's why I'm doing it. Do you, uh, it should be fun. You've traveled a few times to compete. Do you find that to be better than like competing locally? Where, like We all know the pool here for the most part. Yeah. But if you travel and you're like, I don't know these fools. I'm going to go give them the business. Yeah. And no one's going to know because I'm over here. Yeah. And I, I like don't worry that. about any of that. It's yeah, just, I do like that. I, I've always kind of like traveling to compete because there's that little bit of like nobody knows me, but then it's also like I'm the underdog and then like you kind of have a little bit of chip on your shoulder. Oh, yeah. yeah. House money. Yeah, dude. So I do kind of like that. So it should it'll be fun, man. Like I definitely look forward to uh to fucking go against these guys. I think a number of the guys from the uh from the master division dropped out because they didn't want to compete on Sunday either. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. There was like 16 or 17 people in that division and now there's like 11. I was looking at the weight classes. I'm like, when did I become heavy? <laughs> yeah, heavy. Yeah, cuz you'd be in 207 too. Unless you unless you went About 203 this morning. So yeah, 205. So- Three two five range. Right, so that's the saying. Yeah. If you had your gi on, you'd be in that two hundred seven division. <laughs> yeah, and they call that heavy, don't they? That's the heavy. Yeah, yeah. I it, roll with people heavier than me. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like heavy, and then like super heavy, and then like ultra heavy. Well, how complimentary. Imagine if they just shirt sizes that way. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're fucking ultra heavy, buddy. How many people would change their life if they'd go in there? Do you have any super mega heavy? Left over. Yeah. <laughs> no, sir. We only have the smaller sizes. Sorry. Yes. Sorry, buddy. If you were only heavy, yeah, we could help you out. <laughs> yeah, dude. But you were above and beyond that. So it should be fun, man. Um, we'll see. Maybe I'll get to a point where I'll start competing again and just, like, enjoy it. Like, maybe, you know, be like Nick. Dude, Nick's the most active black belt in the city. I don't like when people talk shit on Nick. Yeah, they do it all the time. And it pisses I, me I off. I don't know why, because Nick, Nick is, it's amazing what that guy can do. He's a... He's a physical therapist. He's also in school to further that degree. Yeah. Married, has kids. Yeah. Teaches all the time. Teaches all the time. Competes all the time. Competes all the time. In the military. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. So he asked me how I'm doing. If I'm going through a rush, I just go, I'm all right, man. (laughs) I ain't going to bitch. Look at all the work you're putting in. I don't know any other black belts that are as as competitive or as as active as he is in the city. Well, and Nick could have all those accolades and accomplish all that and just – not be a good person and still be impressive, but Nick is an amazing person. Good dude. Yes. Nice I love talking to Nick. And an army vet. And actually what's interesting is I always give him crap about spider guard. I just tease him. I'm like, I hate grabbing the sleeves. I'm like, come on now. Let's just let's it, go for an underhook and do all that. <laughs> but he just released the, he calls it the Star Spangled Spider Guard series. Yeah, I saw that. And the day we were supposed to film it. He, he was filmed that with Josh, right? Yeah, Josh filmed it. I'm I was the the Uki, right? Yeah, is what they call it. But I wasn't originally supposed to be. Okay. Somebody else was gonna do. It. I think it was Junior, but Junior had something come up. So he texts me, and I'm like, "Yeah, whatever you need." So I go out there, and he's doing all this with me, and I'm like, "I actually learned some stuff from it being done to me." Mm. So it was kind of cool to see. And and this week when I rolled with him Tuesday, I was messing with him, and uh, 
so I grabbed his sleeves and act like I was doing it. And he he postures up to to extend back to get away from it. Yeah, crowd was hips. Yeah, and, and I was just totally baiting, it and I hit him with a tripod sweep. <laughs> <laughs> he stepped up, and I go, and I'm like, I got my moment. Give it so to and me. we laughed about it, and we just kept going. But yeah, yeah, I had one moment. So, but Nick is he's good, man. Nick is good. He's winning. He goes around. He's encouraging. He, I mean, the white belts at that gym. Yeah, white belts nowadays are not near what they used to be. Like different levels. Yeah, it's like in six months, a serious training white belt is very capable. Oh Could yeah, be very capable, especially with all the tutorials these guys are. Because a lot of the jujitsu community, they're savants in a way. Yeah, or they're on the spectrum, mm-hmm. which means they excel in certain things, and they're they can build these systems and they can do it like the Donaher series. Like yeah. these guys training footlocks all the time. It's like this, then this, then this, and if they're really strategic, and they can channel that into something yeah it's it's amazing what they can do with it yeah and these guys that don't look like they're athletes at all can just, just they'll mess it. you up and then they will hack your bank account because the they're smart yeah dude <laughs> can't judge a book by their cover man be a serious murderer but nick nick's great there's yeah. a lot of shit that gets talked whenever he awards stripes or there was shit talk when i got my purple belt there was shit talk when i got my brown belt and I'm like, you guys are more than welcome to roll with me. People are always talking shit. I dude. mean, like, fuck the haters. I've been in this about ten years now, so you know, do yourself a favor, Google what the average time is for something like that. Yeah. And you know, more or less, I qualify, and I've put in a lot of work. So yeah. if you're gonna question my day in day out work, that that says more about you than me. Yeah. So the way I look at it, especially from like the jujitsu community, like the more the merrier. Like we want to grow this thing. Like I don't want to make it exclusive. Yeah, and there's plenty of people we know that have been at one belt too long. Yeah. And you're I like I don't like that. I'm like, Oh, you're you're one of the top ranked blue belts in the country, so okay, that's great. Uh how long have you been a blue belt? If you've hit that two year minimum, depending on the system you're in and what your goals are, like if you want to be Pan Am blue belt champ or something. Okay, yeah. I understand that. But if it goes into that third and fourth year and you're destroying everybody, right? what are you really doing? Like at that point, I think you're almost discouraging people. It's like when you go with a newbie, right? Yeah. There's that balance mean you have to have because they are dangerous. Like they're scrambly. They're the most dangerous people on the mats. I'm real careful with the whites and blue belts I roll with. Yes. But there's times we have to squash them. But I don't want to do it to the point where I demoralize them. Yeah. Like I want to show them here's there's levels to this. Yeah. You know, and I feel like if – like, let's take someone that's just a regular mom. Her goal is to get a blue belt. She puts in the work, man. She's pretty good. She gets it, goes to a tournament, and runs into somebody that's been a blue belt for three years and just gets demolished. Like, what does that teach her? Right. It doesn't reward her hard work, and the other person has already put in the hard work and right. is at a higher level. And oftentimes that person will feel like now they don't deserve that belt. Yeah. And it's like, it doesn't mean you're not a blue belt. No, not at all. I mean, you can get caught by anybody anymore. Yeah. Those uh, two guys from Pedigo, those uh, purple belts, uh, oh, Jacob and – Jacob Couch and George? Yes. George, I yeah. I don't know George's last – I mean, Val, they're – technically, those. they're purple belts. But, I mean, they're capable of submitting anybody. Yeah. Black belt or not. Dude, the way I look at it now, and just because I've been teaching it a whole lot, and, like, you know, you start, you start giving people promotions, I feel like you can progress pretty quickly just off of physical ability to purple belt. And I feel like once you get the purple belt, now you need to start understanding jujitsu philosophy and concepts. And I think that's where the change like happens. So I feel like you can be an all-American wrestler and you can fucking kill it. I think Nick Nick Rodriguez is a great example of that. Dude beats black belts. 
He's but he's a purple belt right now under under Donaher, and physically his grappling ability he can get away with a lot of things, and he's a, he's a good enough athlete, he's a good enough grappler that his jujitsu is he can beat some higher level people, but he's for sure a purple belt, but he doesn't necessarily have that jujitsu um, like that jujitsu uh, philosophy. He doesn't understand the concepts. There's just deeper levels to it that really does just take time and belt. So I think that's where like the journey kind of like slows down some, in my opinion. Yep. No, I, there's two people recently I know and anybody that wants to try jujitsu, I'm always open for them to message me or people I know, yeah. where can I go? And I don't always go, Hey, you should go to my school. Cause it depends on where they live. I've said, where do people, you live? Yeah. Uh, yeah, where do they live? Exactly. Yeah. And I've, I've sent people sent people to your gym. I don't know if they go there or not, but there's some two in particular. I sent someone to Kyle Watson today. Yeah, I sent someone to Kyle Watson, and I, then I sent someone to Josh McKinney's gym, right? And both of them I told at the same time, I go, now I know you might have done some stuff before, but it's not like anything you've done before. I said, you're going to have to eat a lot of humble pie. I said, because it's like learning another language. I said, if I was to break it down in a way you can understand, here's the belt system. White, blue, purple, brown, black, right? White belt, you're learning vocabulary. You're learning singular words. Here's a move. Here's another word on another day. Yeah. You know, part of the concept with it or the meaning or the definition. Blue belts, you're able to put some together and you can make some sentences. Yeah. You know, and some blue belts can make more sentences than others and some cannot. Purple belt, you're writing paragraphs. You know, you have concepts. You have bread and butter moves. You have, you have your go-tos. Yeah. You know, and you know how to do certain things like... You have moves from top. You have moves from bottom. Uh, brown belt. You're writing chapters, or you can write. You can write a chapter. And then black belt. You're writing the book. Yeah. Okay. And that book could be the first volume of many other books as you progress. And so that's why I had to break it down. So I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I said, so you're gonna have your days where you feel like you suck. Yeah. And you're gonna have your days where you feel like, man, I'm doing well. And then I'm gonna, you're gonna have your days where you're like, you know what, man, I, I'm feeling good. I'm really gonna put on these these motherfuckers today. And then they just don't know. It's not your day. Not your day. So, and that still happens. So, dude, all the time. Sometimes you're the hammer. Sometimes you're the nail. Just the other day, I went in. I was the fucking nail. I was like, man, today's just not my day. Like, I'm like, what the fuck is going on today? Like, let me let me go rest. Let and if you're rest. new, that'll play with you. But man, I'm just not meant for this. But the journey is great yeah. because it is hard. Well, in the beginning, man, I always tell people it's like, you, dude, you're just drinking from a fire hose. Like, your job is just to fucking survive and yep. just keep showing up because eventually you'll start being able to put the pieces together. And it'll start making sense, and then you'll start developing your game, and then, like, you'll start learning these moves. But then, like, there's this phase to where, like, you kind of you start getting to, to blue belt, and you're just like, oh, man, I fucking know arm bars. I know triangles, but you don't. You don't fucking know them. Like, you do. Like, you know the you know the base layer of it, but you don't understand, like, there's there's layers to this shit, man. Like, it gets deeper and deeper, and, like, you can even you can start fine-tuning it in such a way that you just you just can't conceptually understand until you look at the problem longer. You just have to look at the problem longer, and then you start seeing different solutions. Mm -hmm. It's just how it is, man. It's like now whenever I start attacking shit, I'm usually attack like I'll attack the other side to get to this side because it's like I know if you attack this side, you're going to react this way, and then I can do this. And it's like, dude, I don't ever try to force any submission. Like my favorite submission is just the one that's there. It really is cuz I'm always about position over submission. If I can control that fucking position, you will make a mistake and I'll take it. Like I just will. Like I had somebody ask me today, he's like cuz I was teaching the sweep, I was going from 
we, we did a couple of different sweeps, but one I was like, I, a lot of times when I'm just in a, like a sit-up open guard, I'll do an arm drag, and then I'll, I'll come in real tight with my butterflies, and I'll reach over to this far lat. So whether it's no gi or not, like either, if, if we have a gi, I'll grab your gi. If I don't, I'll grab your lat. But then I got your arm trapped, and then I'll fucking butterfly sweep you over this way. Yep. And we were working that, and we were going right in the mount, and the guy asked me, he's like, so like what? Uh, what submission are you attacking once you get that mount? I'm like, in my mind, dude, like, actually, I, I'm just securing this mount because they're going to try to fucking get out of it. And then I'm actually trying to force them to the back. Like, I'm trying to get an even stronger position and take your back. And then I'm working for the choke. So it's like, I'm not even thinking about a submission yet. Like, I'm just thinking about owning this position yep. and forcing you to my next position that I want. Yeah, I don't get, it's weird. When I was younger in the training rooms, I got a lot more submissions than I seem to do now because I'm more worried about positions like you said yeah because if i'm in a position i can make your life hell in that position because miserable i'm pressure based i'll, I'll take your diaphragm away from you and i'll make you want to give you're something heavy up. bro you're strong yeah i try i try man because luigi did it to me and it sucks so i'm like let me <laughs> let me subscribe to that yeah. newsletter and uh so I, you know it's very pressure based and like you said if you get the mount right what am i going to try and do you know like yeah usually in that position guys are with the with the gi they're defending the collars very well it's hard to do that and if you try and attack too much you know like a some type of uh sleeve choke from there i can't think of the yeah, word like an ezekiel yeah or yeah if i look for that ezekiel in there or something. you know that's when i'm giving up my position that they can explode and roll yeah so in that Umpa case you or some shit i'm just waiting for you to try and push on my hip and i'm gonna guide that arm across i get two arms to one side it's a back take every yeah, time every time every time so i'm gonna go there and until you give me that I'm just gonna make your life hell, dude. Every every whether it's a position where they're just uncomfortable or a submission, especially in submissions, like you may think you're not getting it, but like every human has this point to where it's like it becomes life or death for them, and they're gonna fucking give everything that they have, especially with like a blood choke, and you don't know yes. if you don't know if you have it in or it's taking a while. Eventually, everybody will have their fucking freak out moment. And they're going to give everything that they have in that moment. And either it works or it doesn't. Either you survive or you fucking die. So sometimes like, I just wait for that moment. And it's like when I know you're freaking the fuck out, it's like, all right, got you. Got you, motherfucker. Because now I just got to weather this storm for the next 10 seconds, and then you're going the fuck out. And if you, if you know this about humans, then it's, like, it's just so much easier just to like impose your will on them. Yeah, and it's, it just, it's so weird to me here. someone doesn't train talk shit. And like... <laughs> like when we casually do that and we fist bump, good job, man. You know, simulate a murder on the mat. Yeah. And then someone who's never did anything, just in line talking to the cashier, like yeah. some asshole. And I'm like, dude, you just have no perspective. Like, they don't know. Why, like, where are your manners at? Like, I just don't think because they don't have it, that volume's not turned down. So they're all angsty. But it's how casual it can be. Just what we do in the room, I think sometimes <laughs> we lose perspective of because we enjoy it. Yeah. But there's people just don't understand, like, what all goes into that? Yeah. They just don't. And that's something I really I really enjoy about it. And I think that's what, kind of what keeps everything at bay because of everything's going right. And I feel like I'm understanding concepts. The only thing that can be frustrating about jujitsu outside of injuries is plateaus. Yeah. So, and, and those can be different. You know, sometimes you need to take some seminars or something to get out of it. Yeah. But what I really enjoy is when you're doing that difficult thing and you leave and, you know, you don't – Sometimes you're going to hurt, you know, you're going to have those little neck, shoulder injuries. But like the other day when I left, I was just on this, oh, I can do it again. Yeah. I actually, it, no one called me on it. But when I was done Thursday, 
That was my third day in a row with no training wheels on with this groin. And I just went over there and I sat against the wall and I laid my back on the ground, put my feet up and I just I closed my eyes and I just listened. And I just was taking in what I was able to do that I hadn't been able to do all year. Yeah. And I was just so grateful for it. And it just changed my whole demeanor. And I'm like, man, this, this, I've been needing this. Yeah. I've been needing this. Just need it. Like the so, body needs that. Yes. Yes. And I feel like different things in my brain were firing afterward. Like the good parts, like, oh, and then the good self-talk comes back in and it's a lot. It's everything. Yeah. And not everyone's answer is going to be jujitsu. It could be playing violin or something, but man, that's, I needed that. When, whenever, you know, you, you stop fighting, do you think you're going to transfer, like transition just straight into jujitsu for the most part, or you, you're going to continue striking? Uh, I'll do it all. You're going to do it all? You're yeah. Do it. I feel like most people do one or the other. Like most people either like keep striking and then they, they let their, their grappling go or vice versa. Well, it's, it's kind of goes back to like the old days of fighting. You have your specialists and some of those specialists are so damn good, man. Like Damian Maya could still pull it off for a while, but then your overall well-rounded guys beat those guys a handful of times, yeah. right? But the specialists will get you. So there's that balance of if I don't dedicate it all completely to one discipline, when I go into that discipline, those guys that only train that, yeah, it may not go my way. Yeah. But I enjoy the other parts of it. Yeah. And whether somebody enjoys just the striking part of it, like a Quentin O'Brien, or the jiu-jitsu part, like uh, Nick Sanders. Yeah. Those guys are masters of their craft. Yeah. And so – Eventually, I would like to have the ability to claim something like that when it's earned. Yeah. That I can dabble in both. Yeah. But when I get into the nitty-gritty, finer details, the third level of inception, you know, those guys, will, most likely they have the advantage on me. doesn't mean I can't beat them. doesn't mean when I go into their – like the footlock game now. That's changed everything. Yeah. Like if you're not versed on that and you go into that world, you're going to get exposed. Mm -hmm. So I think there's different things to address on that. But at some point, I would like to – have systems in place. Here's my system. Here's my striking concepts. Here's what I believe works. Yeah. You can listen to someone else's concept. That's fine. This is what worked for me. This is what we're going to do. And if I am leading you, like you, we're starting this conversation with, what do you want to do with it? Yeah. Are you here because you want to learn and have fun? Cool. Oh, you want to be a champ someday. Okay. Well then you're on a different level and I expect different from you. Right. But my problem is, and and I ran into this one with the teaching background I had. And part of the reason why I'm not in there is because I develop expectations and hope for other people that I, when I see potential and I just hate yeah. when it doesn't happen. So now, if they're putting in the work and they do everything right and you've had teammates like this too, I have where they've done everything right and they go out there and they give their effort and it just doesn't happen. Right. They feel terrible. I've never felt any different about them. Right. I've mourned the loss of opportunity with them. Yes. But the ones that, are their own worst enemies. I'm just like, what? The? Yeah. I'm like, I can't deal with that, man. Like, don't tell me what you're going to do because you want to be a fighter. You don't want to fight. You want the look. You want the lifestyle. You want people to think you are. Yeah. But you don't want to get down in there and have those rounds where you got to, you know, you really got to see who you are. Yeah. Because that, that's what will come out. Yeah. Dude, when you, when those, those moments of chaos, when, when shit's hitting the fan, like, who are you in that moment? I'd rather have, I mean, Obviously, in the martial arts world, you got to pay bills. So kids' class, jiu-jitsu programs, very important. But when it comes down to a competition team, if I was to do with fighters, I would much rather have four to six fully dedicated guys than 15 half-assers. Yeah. That would drive me fucking nuts. 
Yeah. Because I'd be the only one there caring, and everybody else would be worrying about what they're doing. Or, you know, those teammates that they get girlfriends and they disappear, but they had so much potential. Yeah, and you're like, man, the girls I'm like, dude, you can just balance this out. Like, there's there's a way to do this. Like, you don't have to not live that life, but find something in the middle here. Or, you know, have four weeks on and a down week or yeah. something. You can well, just be it. honest with yourself. Yeah. Like, don't fucking lie to yourself or me. And, and, and you know what? And that can change. Uh, Someone could go out there. <laughs> My first fight, scared to death. I'm in the back of uh, October 2011. Had a year of training. And I'm like, I'm never fucking doing this again. <laughs> I'm like, I sold tickets to my family. They're expecting them to watch this. So, yeah. And I felt the tremendous pressure to win, right? Yeah. And so I went out there, and I expected a more technical battle than it was. And yeah. Jungle punches came my way from all different angles, and I shot a takedown, got an arm bar. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Two weeks later, I fought again. <laughs> right but if that goes the other way maybe my goals change yeah you know maybe. if i ran into a guy like uh one of my former training partners sam tamayo in my first fight i got my ass whooped and i'd have been like oh that's the sport dude maybe that isn't for me yeah yeah <laughs> dude that's so true my very first fight i fought raymond gray it <laughs> yep. was like his seventh or eighth fight and uh, this was in Jeff City. I think Rob – so it's funny because, like, Rob Howard, who was throwing the, the shows at that time in Jeff City, he lives up here and he trains at my gym. And uh, he was trying to feed me to the fucking wolves, bro, because I was supposed to have a, an opponent who was, like, 0-1 and it's my very first fight. And then he, like, put me against Raymond, who had all his experience. But that dude broke my fucking nose in the first 30 seconds of the fight. Luckily, I won that fight, but it's just, like – I seriously question my decisions after that. I'm like, damn, do I have a headache? My fucking nose hurts. Like, damn, I'm never going to be pretty again. <laughs> yeah, well, they they probably thought it was going to be more competitive on your end even before one because you're your wrestling background. Linda. Probably, probably some of that. But then also, like, I'm an out-of-town guy. So yeah, there's that too. Very true. But, yeah, all I know is, though, like, kind of my original question was just because, like, when I stopped fighting, I just I – just, balls deep in the jujitsu and it's like i still do a little bit of striking but not nearly as much as i do jujitsu like that's my fucking bread and butter i love it yeah there's just something to striking especially if you got a good pad holder yeah where you're like moving and you're throwing Feels elbows good. and it's flowing and you just feel proficient in it that i don't know if it's just because you know as a man you're just like oh i'm still capable and i, I like, still got it if i need it yeah it's still there it's like a generator in your house if that power goes out i got the shit if i need it if anybody ever tries to step up you know yeah put hands on you yep. it's a good feeling to be able to take care of yourself yep. and, and, and the skills do fade yeah yep and i mean i don't walk around letting people know i i do this shit i just i do it for me and nobody needs to know what i do like yeah. when i was younger that was cool that people would find out and you know you, you liked it yeah but now i'm like we'll, we'll talk about it I'll be in the grocery store yeah. in town, and I see someone went to high school with them. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Because you know what they're going to talk to me about? Fighting. Something they never bought a ticket to come watch me do. <laughs> I hate that shit. Yeah, bro. I mean. Tell like, me what the next one is, bro. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be there for sure. Yeah, and I'm right. like, But, you know, at a certain point, if I do get my own spot in the future, then those people will be like, oh, do you have kids? And <laughs> you want them to learn what I did? Then, yeah. Then that conversation changes. For sure. So, uh, but, I, you know, I'll probably find some way to do all of it. So you think you're gonna open up a gym at one point? I mean, I would like to at some point. I don't know where it would be because, like, especially right now, who knows? Like, they can shut down. Like in Illinois, they can shut your whole stuff. It's the worst down. time in history to have a jiu-jitsu gym. Yeah, I mean, it sucks how many have lost because a lot of people needed that. A lot of vets needed that. A lot of depressed people needed that. And 
these people that don't go to gyms or train or work out and don't get that that runner's high of it or, or you know just the good endorphin mm-hmm. rush of it they don't understand what those people were missing that's why people were so depressed and and dealing with so many other things I, my my friend that suddenly passed away uh i think toward the end there when all this hit he lost his job and he went out there for a job i wish he would have come home mm-hmm. and if someone's around you or you see them you can see it but he wasn't around us we couldn't see him but he had health issues before that he had conquered started jujitsu here when he lived here and then Whenever he went out there, his job was gone. So he's working part-time at Home Depot. Mm. And then I think with everything going on and his health issues came back, I'm sure he didn't have insurance because his job was gone. So And he had a pre-existing condition, no health care, got super depressed about it. Yeah. And all that just – it's from the story I got, it seems like it went downhill and he didn't know how bad he was mm. because no one was around to see it. He right. was away from us all. If we would have known, we would have gone and picked his ass up. He had no community. But, I mean, I'm sure he's not the only one that's went through that kind of thing because it can spiral like that. If it hits you at the wrong time in your life, it can spiral like that. That's why if anybody has addiction issues or anything, I don't really judge them. Like, I mean, it sucks because it is some form of disease. And yeah. that first step is the choice. But why should they have to pay the rest of their life dude, for it? Dude, bad shit can happen to anybody at any time, dude. Yeah. 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 It's, and, it's fucking terrible. Yeah, and the older you get the more empathetic you are you don't want to see that you hate to see someone else going through that now there are some people that you're like well they never helped themselves that i understand but right you ever just saw someone you've seen in a while they just look different and you're like man what's going on you know yeah it's like they lost hope yeah and you want to help them out but you don't want them you don't you can't own their stuff either at the same time there's that middle ground where you got to have both and a lot of people that didn't have their gyms or their outlets they didn't have that Right. So it's and a lot of a lot of people that go to jujitsu schools are recovering addicts or former vets or stuff like that and you know, they have stuff that this calms them. They need the community. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's like the biggest thing with jujitsu, at least from my perspective, is just the community. Well I think that's why CrossFit really took off too for oh, a while yeah. is because they had teams and, mm-hmm. and goals and you know, it's fine with me. Like I don't I'm not the biggest fan of some of the stuff CrossFit does, but it made people happy so I don't care. Yeah, yeah, again, from just from uh like a trainer standpoint, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of CrossFit, but I do really appreciate the the community that they create. Just to do real pull-ups. <laughs> real hanging yeah, pull-ups. You know, some gyms are great, some some not so, but I just my biggest beef is is whenever they start adding like load to dysfunction when people don't have proper uh, mechanics and they can't do certain things and they don't really uh uh they they don't make adjustments for that and they just like here just go as hard as you can yeah. or as fast as you can and it's take all this about the numbers yeah it's just like oh, man like we got to be able to like regress this or progress this position well that's another thing with age I've noticed is if I wanted to I could lift probably heavier than I ever had but there's a cost to that. I mean, like, yeah. I I much rather would keep my – and by no means do I not think I'm not strong. I do my work enough where my mobility is important to me. Big if time. I feel like I can move like an athlete and if I'm doing too much, if I've done too much heavy and I feel like – you can feel it. You can feel it in your jab. You can feel it in your kick. You can feel it in your warm-up. You're like, man, something's off here. Then it's everything's out of whack. Yeah. It's like a watch that's not wound right, you know? Right. But it's – I'd rather keep – Mobile, that's why I like kettlebells. You know, they don't really load you and lock you up or or try and gain useless weight on you. But, yeah, I would rather stay mobile, fit, stay in shape, be able to move. Then I'm happy. Just be Uh, functional. Yeah, be functional. I don't don't care how much – 
I could squat or deadlift or anything like that. Yeah. I could build up to something that was kind of cool if I wanted to, but that would compromise the other stuff I want to do. Right. So through all this stuff, all these buckets I have to fill, that one can that one's okay. I don't I don't need to overflow that one. Right. So. Yeah. Dude, you're just you're just in, in the toughest sport when it comes to training, man. Like there's just so many boxes to check. Yes. Yeah. yeah there and really are. Different gyms to go to now. There's not really There's no one stop. Very shop. few gyms have, have it all. And if they do, you have the same the same pool, you know? So Yeah. You know, you learn what this guy's stuff is. Okay, I know he shoots a single leg like this. This guy is pretty good. He's got a pretty hard kick, so I'll just stay outside of this distance range for You learn that. And whether you you're acknowledging it or not, you're Yeah, you you're, solved the puzzle. Yeah, you solved the puzzle beforehand. Yeah. So it's tough because I mean a lot of fighting is solving that puzzle on the fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. It's a tough sport, man. Um, what do you What do you think's coming up next? I mean, it's been, like you said, a horrific year. You just had a fight scheduled, what, was like uh, two or three weeks ago that fell through, a month ago? It was in August. So, yeah, I, I don't know yet, man. It's, it's really weird. Uh, like two weeks ago, there was a, a call going out for people looking for an 85-er for LFA against Alex Pereira. And I'm like, okay. I looked the guy up, and... They didn't come specifically to me. They came actually to Drew, and they asked Drew if he knew anybody. And I'm like, I know that name. I'll look it up. <laughs> and it's the only guy that's ever knocked Adesanya out cold. And I'm really? like, oh, that's why they're having a hard time finding him. And I'm like, is that the level I'm at where that's all I'm going to get asked now? <laughs> is these guys? And I'm like, because I was tempted. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Playing with house money's fun. What's this guy's jujitsu level like? Can he grind? Yeah. Um, you know, that's the, that's the competitor that plays in your head. And if I – was healthy enough to have gone, maybe I would have been like, hmm, who knows, man? Yeah, man. You know, but uh, I don't know. I don't know for sure. I just. Yeah, you never know what opportunities going to come. Yeah, because I feel like with all the time off that I was with the injury and then getting back into it, I felt like I had to do a lot of stuff over again that now I just don't want to lose. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose it in case, like, that call comes, like you right. said. So, and look at, look at Kevin Kroom. Like, coming off a loss, that probably would not happen to me. Not, like, if I won, been different, but. You just never know. Um, yeah, there's local fights dropping out all the time now. Yeah, and especially when you're like, like you're seeing Kevin get that opportunity. Like it's like it's real. It's right there. You can see it. And, yep. You know, like you work with Sean all the time. It's like you saw the opportunity. Yeah, like, I was there it, firsthand, it's man. It's real. You see it. Like so, you know what's truly capable, and it's like you're right there. Yes, and you're in the vicinity. It almost doesn't feel real when it happens. Yeah. Still, it's like you said. Like when you win, you're like, oh. when Sean won, I was so excited for that. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It was probably one of the coolest experiences, and it still didn't feel real. <laughs> you know, I just felt like, you ever seen the movie Get Out? Yeah. Like, where they're looking through the door, yeah, and you're it's just someone like, else's life, and they're on autopilot. That's kind of what it felt like. I was yeah. like, ah, I was so happy for him, and couldn't happen to a guy that works He's a good harder. dude, man. Yeah, he, he is. And a lot of people, the we've talked about this before, like how people try and pull people back down in this area. Yeah. People were always like talking on him, like, Oh, he's not that good. He's not that. And now it's like, what can you say now? You know, it's proven it. Like sometimes all you need is the opportunity. Yeah. It's like, okay, sure. Like, I mean, as a, as a fighter, just like anybody else, is there areas to, to grow and get better? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean you're not a good fighter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, we can all improve. Hopefully you're always improving. Yeah. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. And, you don't know what anybody's got anymore. Right. Like they don't put the smart ones don't put stuff out there. Yeah. Like Adesanya when he when 
Costa threw that white belt at him. Yeah. He, technically, I don't think he's ranked. He might be a blue belt, but I was talking to Mop about that, and Mop says he's actually looked up some stuff of him grappling, and he's definitely like solid purple belt level. Is he? Yeah, but you wouldn't know that. Right. He had to really dig to find that. Yeah. So, I mean, you just don't know anybody has. You just don't know, man. You can't judge a book by their cover, dude. Yep. Yeah. No, the days of Mike Swick getting guillotines on everybody is long gone. Yeah, man. The the one the one trick ponies, um, like at the amateur level, you can be really good at one thing and get away with some shit. But like that, those days are just gone. Yep, they went away. Held even a handful of years ago. Dude, next level athletes these days, and now we're kind of reaching that phase to where these kids who have only done MMA all the way from like 16 are like getting good and like they're older now and they're on the scene it's like it's weird man it's a next level athlete yep uh, i've seen a couple of them come up through the wolves den i've seen a couple uh the younger guys from st charles like, yeah i think like, uh, like augustine's probably a good example well i was thinking more of the like the mccormick's i think there's two of them right yeah yeah like they i don't know how many fights they have but they run an nfa show and some of their first fights it may be one of them's first fight but it was early on, yeah. And they were more polished, yeah. Like Hunter and Harrison, and um, and I'm like, man, this game has changed so much. Just we've seen amateur fights. Like if they're well matched, they can be sloppy but entertaining. Yeah. But there was uh, there was technique to it. There was some fluidity to the where it changes. You know, to the yeah. Uh, what am I trying to say? Usually, it's either fighting, standing, and in between, or sorry, fighting. Or on the ground, and in between is kind of a slop. Right. But the, the transitions, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. The transitions were smoother right. than what they used to be. You know how to scramble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Dude, this, the sport's just fucking growing always, dude. It's always growing. Trying to get mining and get out before these young guns come up. You know, they're just they're crazy. Yeah, they're man. They're so good. They've been doing it forever. It's like, that's their sport. It's their sport now. Yeah, but experience is on your side. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wisdom, good old wisdom. That's one thing Michael Jordan said in that documentary. He's like, in 98, he goes, I wasn't the athlete I used to be, but I had the craftsmanship, so I felt like that was my best work. Yeah, dude. And I was like, ooh. I'm like, I'm not near that level. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but I'm like, I kind of resonate with what he's saying. I didn't have to work as hard to do something that I needed to before. Right. Yeah, you, you fucking learned the hard way already. You went through it. Shit, man. Well... Dude, let's wrap this up. Yep. It's been two hours. Yeah, we covered a little bit of everything, didn't we? A little bit of everything, dude. It's been a fun conversation. At least we didn't go three hours this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's been fun, man. I'm glad we were able to do this. I know it's been – we've tried a couple times over the past year or two and haven't been able to make it happen, and so it's nice to, to fucking sit down and catch up, dude. Yep. Um, is there anything that you wanted to, like, plug or, or send people to so they can check you out? Like, I'll put some stuff in the show notes, but, I, you know. Well, I mean, I've been kind of – Taking a back step on my social media, but anybody who's looking for recovery from training, I work, I manage at Sub-Zero Wellness in Chesterfield. We have cryotherapy, infrared sauna. We have some awesome therapists. If you are a jiu-jitsu or MMA person, you go to an actual gym. You don't train in your garage. We keep cryo discounted at $20 per person. Nice. That covers our costs. All we ask is that someone comes in and checks in. I mean, you've done it a handful of times. It, yeah. It helps. I mean, it's what keeps me able to do it, especially when you get that day after hard training. Yeah. You get up in the morning, your body's just exuding that heat. Yeah. It definitely helps get the blood flowing there. And, you know, we got a new location. Um, other than that, if really it's, you know, NFA. If you haven't fought on NFA or you've been thinking you only got to fight on one promotion, don't. Please take my words on that. I'm, I'm more concerned about you than, than someone's feelings at any certain promotion. Uh, you can always ask me about this stuff. I, I mean, I 
like Adam said, I've had the rough roll of it. So <laughs> yeah, I can learn through experience. Uh, if I can help somebody, nice. I don't know everything, but I know a good amount that may be able to help. But if you want to train, find a gym. You can hit up me or him. We'll give you wherever the gym closest to you that has the better trainer can do because there is still some some out there that you know I probably wouldn't recommend. But for the most part, the big gyms are good here. They have good programs, good yeah. solid programs, good solid people, and just plug yourself in there. And other than that, no, I mean, just continue to work hard. Hopefully we'll get our MMA shows back next year. Yeah. And I'll be excited to see fans in the seats again for sporting events. Yeah. Like the ones on TV the ones here this one's been kind of a weird blip it's like when thanos snapped and all that time was gone but no other than that we're good to go uh want to thank nick for all the jujitsu instruction and investing in me with my time down and the wolves den those guys have really helped me out my days are longer i'm there more frequently and and they always take time to work with me on stuff you know it's it's weird to put on a friend hat and then put on the other hat coaching hat and you have to be willing to take criticism and and they do that very well for me, so yeah. I appreciate that. Dope, dude. Man, well, thanks again for uh, for taking the time, my man. It's All been right. too long. I know, dude. I'm glad we were able to do this. Um, all right, everybody. Till next time. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you are getting value out of the podcast, again, just bring us a friend, share it, write a review on Apple Podcast on Apple Podcasts subscribe, all of the above. Just help us grow this thing, and I cannot thank you guys enough for doing that. And then, as always, big thank you to Jumbo Superfoods. You guys can go to jumbocbd.com and check them out. They have drops and sprays and cooking oils and balms and all of this great shit, and I fucking love them. I Again, you probably get tired of me saying this shit, but I do love their muscle bomb. I'm traveling with it all the time. I use it for my recovery. It's just, it's just my favorite fucking product, and by far uh, worth every single penny. And you guys can actually save pennies. You can save 20% to be specific when you use the code outside at checkout. It's actually more like dollars you'll save. Um, save 20%. Use the code outside, and they are pretty much always doing buy two, get one free of an item. So throw two of an item in your cart, you'll get the third one for free, and then you'll save 20% off of the entire deal. So it's a win-win for everybody. Use the code outside, go to jombocbd.com, and save money. All right, guys, that's all I have for you today. I will be back with another great guest soon. I love you. Keep being rad human beings, and see you next time. Bye. Mwah.